And we're back. Hi. It's it's Matt. And it's Nat. How's it going? It's good. It's we're, been a while since it's just been... Just I could say us, us three. No, us oh, yeah. three. He chimes in too, right? Of course he chimes in. And he's the best chimer in right there. Absolutely. Was. The best types of questions <laughs> and everything like that. So, yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about something before we went hot with the mics. And we're going right back to okay. it. You won't escape the wrath. Okay. So you went to a movie mm-hmm. 30 minutes late, thought you could get in. Yeah. Because and were surprised when the doors were locked. Because, you know, when they say the movie will start, for example, at seven, but really it starts at 730 because you have all those commercials and it's like, okay, when is it really? Then the they pre- turn the, the lights previews. down. Yeah. We wanted, to, we, it's not that we wanted to skip it. We were just busy doing something else. And then we're like, you know what? The movie's at 10 and we left at 10 where we were and we're driving, driving, whatever. And yeah, the doors were locked. And we're like, okay, great. The previews only take max 15 minutes. That's not true. Most. It's like, some t- I had to look at my phone one time. I'm like, how, when will the movie start? And it was like 30 minutes later. Really? I will time it next time and let you know. Yeah. Well, very disappointed. Yeah. But it's okay. We didn't see it. We'll probably see it another time. We went to Dave and Buster's instead and we had a great time. Yeah, as but, long yeah. as you had a great time. Yeah. As long as you have a great time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a, a deep show lined up today. Yes. See, I didn't use the word nuclear. Now you did, though. Because we have to. We have to. I know. I know. Yeah. Yes. We have a deep show lined up. Why don't you tell? uh, Why don't you tell us what we're talking about? So back, I think this was like in December when you and I we were at a cafe writing down notes about starting this podcast. One of the conversations that we both agreed on would be to talk about family issues and dynamics and like our upbringing and such because you and I have such similar yet also very different dynamics, but we also can understand people, the world, ourselves, each other very well due to what we have experienced and because we have such a unique history that wasn't the greatest I think too for two reasons why it should be talked about a we could definitely help somebody else out somebody might feel that they can relate that maybe they see an end like a light at the end of their tunnel maybe they won't feel alone perhaps and secondly just to get it off of our chest even more. Well, I know you're more over it, but for me, it's, oops, sorry. For me, I'm going through, I'm going into therapy to work on something that I thought I was already over on, which is called the abandonment wound. Um, But it resurfaced up again, and it's something that has been a very hard challenge of mine to deal with. And it surfaced up because in certain situations, I see it showing up all the time in that one area of my life. And it plays such a massive role that it causes me to have really bad anxiety. And I don't like going outside for external validation ever. I like to make sure like I'm the one dealing with my own shit. But because it's still there, it's been very difficult. And so this is now an area in my life again that I am going back in, peeling a layer at a time, Mm -hmm. just to honestly hope that it heals and that it doesn't affect me that much anymore. I'm sure maybe down the line... Things will always stay around in a way, but how you focus on it, how you view it, how you deal with it, how you don't allow it to affect you, um, your confidence, your self-esteem, I don't want that to be affected anymore due to this wound and due to the history of it, but it's also a challenge because there's still things going on, and so how do I find that balance? How do I find my own peace? How do I feel confident in myself, not attach myself to my past and move on, but also learn and take on whatever happened in the past with me as a positive thing? If that makes any sense. Yeah, like so lesson yeah, learned. Lesson learned. Yeah, lesson learned. So <laughs> not, not necessarily a positive thing. You well, know, I can't, not, I can't stand that. I'm going to say 
Uh, mm. Hear me out. Okay. The whole notion of having to put a positive spin on everything bad that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. I think that is the, the biggest load of crap ever. How come? Because bad things happen and mm. it's a it's a good thing. Well, that's a positive thing that it's a good well, thing. But hear me out. It's a good thing that bad things happen and it's mm-hmm. important to let bad things be bad. If a walk like a duck and a talk like a duck, quack, quack, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not yeah. saying what happened to me was a good thing. It no, wasn't exactly. a good thing, but and, it's and, about how you use so it to catapult you forward. Right. So you don't yeah, victimize yeah, yeah. yourself. That's I, what I meant. I Okay. Because when, when most people say put a positive spin on things, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm going to make a light of something that's, that's dark. I'm like, you don't necessarily have to do that, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like if right. something is dark, and especially if it's really dark, yeah. why should you have that? Why should you put your pressure, that pressure on yourself mm-hmm. to change it into something positive and reframe it? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. If you stepped in shit. Guess what? He you stepped, stepped in, in shit. shit. <laughs> and all you can do is scrub it out of the friggin' grout in yeah. the bottom of your shoes. And that's not even a fun job either. Definitely and once not. Once it's done, the shit's gone, but at least you dealt with it. And that sometimes yeah. is the end of it. That's all that there should be. And then you just know next time, maybe not step in shit. Maybe be cautious of your surroundings a little bit more so you don't step in shit accidentally. But wouldn't. Well, this, it's, a, it's a metaphor, but you know what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. And, and at no point in time are you looking at the shit being like, well, you know, it's fertilizer. Let's put a positive spin on it. No, it's mm-hmm. shit. It's mm-hmm. shit. And Absolutely. you stepped in it. But you, like, being cautious now about and being mindful, that is a positive way of dealing with it, right? That you don't step in shit again. Yeah. Like, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Um, so that's what, personally, know, that's what I, I meant. Yeah. I know, but I know what but you mean that so many people, they kind of, like, put this they use the toxic word, positivity onto exactly. things. Exactly. And you. that's where my line is. Is like, I don't want this to be po- a toxic positivity positive things it's like no way i it i'm not gonna diminish what happened i'm not gonna it's a form of escapism and then at that point you're really not actually addressing the issue and then it'll just keep gnawing at you yeah right because you're not you're not calling it what it is you're not treating it how it's supposed to be yeah and then you're going well no you know there's happiness and light and everything no the fuck there isn't i feel like the lights it's dark when you i found that with myself when i looked at the issue as it is an issue versus like an escapism, like pushing it away. I've been learning how to deal with it better as well. So I feel like when you like don't, taking it head on. yeah, when you do take it head on, even if it's just like one step at a time, which is how you're supposed to deal with things. You're not supposed to like fully go into something because you could re-traumatize yourself. Um, when you acknowledge for what it is and you don't make it be a positive thing, it's not a positive what right, happened, right, right. but when you acknowledge it and you start to work through it, you you work through and you get to it on the other side. Um, and that has helped me more, but that's a, it's a positive way of doing it, not a negative way. Um, but while going through that, I was, I have been so cautious with making sure that it's, I'm not spinning into a toxic positivity thing at all, because that doesn't, it's that I see people doing it all the time on like social media. Well, they'll, they'll just kind of like heighten up something that happened and they just, I don't explain it, but it's so dehumanizing yeah. and so, I don't know, I hope I'm getting my message across here correctly. I understand correctly. what you mean. It's hard to, and it's hard to rational, not rationalize, but it's hard to kind of like understand and empathize with somebody that puts so much positivity on stuff. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there thinking, you're like, when a good thing happens to them, it's the most incredible thing. You're like, when good things happen to me, it's just like, oh, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And like, why, what the fuck? Why are you having an orgasm over fucking turning the newspaper page as opposed to me who's just like, huh, you know? Yeah. And then when bad things happen yeah. and they're like, it's okay, good things are come from this, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know what, man? When bad you things have happen to, feel... to me, it fucking takes me out, dude. What, yeah. Why is it that you... Or, you know, and, and obviously you know that once the camera's off, once the Instagram is closed or whatever, they're mm-hmm. freaking 
like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But when you're putting out that toxic positivity out in the air, that is as harmful. Mm -hmm. Harmful is the right word for it, I think. Yeah, I would say that too. It is as harmful Mm -hmm. as somebody who refuses to... Acknowledge Yeah, to be grateful for like the good things in life or whatever, you know? And that's why I also think, like what you said earlier, that bad things need to happen as a good thing. Obviously, it's not positive, but... It, bad things need to happen in order for you to also know what it's like to be happy and feel these good balance. emotions too. Yeah, balance. Yeah, yeah. There's like this one law when it comes to the law the universe is called um, law of polarity. You need the bad in order to have the good. Yeah. That's and like, it's important. That's like, like a it's life. Very mm-hmm. famous like, yeah, it's yeah. A very famous saying, you know, like you can't appreciate the sunshine unless it rains, you mm-hmm, know. Absolutely. I'm sure that's in like a Beatles song somewhere, right? You know. I'm sure it's somewhere there. It's somewhere. <laughs> but like that's exactly it, right? And yeah. balance. Honestly, like that's my big thing that I'm looking to 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 find. I'm not looking to gloss over the bad parts of my life. I'm not looking to stop the quote unquote bad behavior because mm-hmm. some of that stuff happens subconsciously and it's a part of who I am. And when mm-hmm. I talk to other people about it, they go, yeah, you know, that's just you. And the people who appreciate me and love me accept those things because they don't actually hurt people. Mm-hmm. It's just, quote, unquote, bad, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So accepting that stuff, ex- accepting it, and then striking balance in life is really, that's the key. And, like, that's how I dealt with, like, my past mm-hmm. troubles and stuff as a kid mm-hmm. and, like, all, all the stuff that I've been through. is It's never, ever been, a lot of it has been take it head on, mm-hmm. but also a lot of it has also been, just just try to find a balance and eventually mm-hmm. you get through it and eventually it stops eating you alive mm-hmm. if you strive for balance but if you mm-hmm. use words like good and positive over bad and negative mm-hmm. then what you're doing is in your mind you're creating mm-hmm. you're creating a subconscious toxic positive atmosphere and mm-hmm. that's not a place that's not a place you can heal in yeah absolutely you know what i mean yeah absolutely. call it what it is yeah right where and 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 call what you're striving to what Call it what it is. You're striving for balance. Yeah. I think it's all you know, at the end of the day, what you're, what kind of meaning, meaning, sorry, you're putting onto the words too. Like when you, when someone exactly, says positive, yeah, right. Yeah. They could be like all thinking like, you know, everything's okay when things are not. But if you also, if you're also the type of person like I, for example, I could say the word positive, but I know where I'm coming from with what stand, with what, um, how I'm viewing the situation, I know, but, what but for me, you, it's balance. It's all about balance, but yeah. not everyone thinks that way or sees it that way. Because well, because when you use the word positive, positive means for most people mm-hmm. who understand the word positive, positive means positive, mm-hmm. and positive has a pol- a polarity opposite. Positive mm-hmm. has the opposite of negative. Mm-hmm. So if you frame something in the positive, mm-hmm. then it can exist in the negative mm-hmm. immediately, regardless mm-hmm. of what the word means to you or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know. It's, it's one of those north and south, left and right, black and, and white, Yeah. right? Positive has an opposite, and that is negative. Balanced is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Balance is some days are good, some days are bad. Balance is... And they're both okay. They're, they're necessary. They're necessary, You yeah. need them. That's you why men, when, that, when I say okay, yeah, yeah, when I say that's okay, because I do post on my social media, on my stories, like if somebody is having a bad day, literally acknowledge it for what it is. It's okay. Like if, it's okay it's to normal. feel the it's feelings. Yeah. And it, even if, you know, if you can't, um, if you feel like you can't take on the day with whatever effort you normally do, if you feel like you could only put 30% into that day, guess what? It's a hundred percent of you and that's okay. Like it's. Yeah, you know, it's to normalize life is life. Not taking things so sensitively, if that's even the right. Sensitively, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what I always tried to preach. 
yeah. whenever I'm posting something or even as now a yoga teacher because I am now officially Congratulations. Thank you so much. This is so Yogi. good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. And, um, and that's what I want to be teaching my clients in the future too, whether I'm working on a clinic, whether it's going to be my own private business and such. That's what I want to be teaching my, especially I would love to focus it mainly on women, but of course I will gladly take on anybody, um, is it's life it's okay acknowledge where you're at it's oh like it's literally okay to feel these feelings and there is ways to cope with stuff but I know that this like where what my why stems from what I went through in my life right and what I've been through in my life I had no one there by my side I was constantly living in the state of anxiousness when I was a child constantly scared constantly feeling like my stomach my heart everything was ripping out of my chest seeing a parent leaving twice everything from physical to mental abuse it was just there it was so powerful and too much so all of that I'm now using from what I've learned how where I am now to show people a a better way to get out of something to heal but yeah. it's also acknowledging yeah. it is literally okay to have a shitty day it is literally okay to feel anxious look it's it is okay to sometimes life will swallow you up into the depths of darkness mm-hmm. and and i think everybody ever at least at one point in life or another yeah. if you haven't yet you will mm-hmm. get to that point mm-hmm. and that is that when you're in that place and you pull yourself out of that place, that defines your character. That yeah. is where you find your essence and like what kind of a person you are. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you take on adversity? How do you because adversity It's so cool because you're building your character. Like it's yeah. you don't see maybe at the time, but when you do look back and you see all the steps that you've taken where where it has gotten you, it's how you have dealt with it what you have take, taken out of it, what you've learned, how you now do things, that is building your character, that is shaping who you are as a person. Right. You're not defined by what has happened to you, regardless what that is. Mm-hmm. It's how you have dealt with it and what you've taken on and how... It's how you respond. How you, Yeah, exactly, how you respond. Right, and sometimes your response is not the right response. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say it's okay, but that's where personal accountability comes in, introspection, the ability to look at this, at yourself mm-hmm. and, and, and catch yourself. Hold yourself accountable. When you do something dumb or careless Hurtful. or harmful or whatever to either you or anybody else, yeah. hold yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. Be the first one to be like, that's not cool. That mm-hmm. stops now. Yeah. You know? Don't blame what's gone, what's happened to you in life because it, Use ha- it as like um, fuel. Yeah, the bad things the re- happen yeah. to everybody mm-hmm. in every class, in every race, in every corner of the planet. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen all the time. Some things are experienced universally, like the loss of a loved one, death, mm-hmm. for instance. It's an inevitable part of life. Mm-hmm. We all are going to be, you know, faced with it at one point or another. Yeah. There are very Multiple few people times, on this yeah. planet that are walking around being like, "I've never experienced the death of somebody close to me." Yeah, yet. But it's coming, right? It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, But other things like being bullied or the way you grew up with the dynamics that were going on behind closed doors. And and some people don't come back from it. I know. Right? That's where my heart is really like, obviously you can't control what somebody does. You can't at all. You can give them all the advice. You could, you know, give them your time, your ear, your shoulder to cry on. But when they really don't do anything about it, 
I only feel bad for them for one reason. And it's only because it's like, you can really change your life. You can really do something about this. You can really get yourself out of this situation that you're in. It is about one step at a time, but ultimately we are the ones that can design our own lives. And, you know, external things happen, impacts happen, whether you see it coming or not, but it's how you, the only thing you can control is what you say, what you do, how you think, how you show up. Yeah. Literally anything from your body. You can't control others around you, but only from you. You can only control what you can do. So when I, you know, when people victimize themselves significantly on something that happened even like five years ago or two years ago, ten years ago, mm. and they're not doing anything about it, my like it's like a shit, man. Like I wish you could see what I can see in you. Because you have so much potential or you can really change. Like we see your blind spots right now. We're trying to show them to you. And if you were only just really, truly paying attention and doing the internal work and looking within, you would find them eventually. But it's like, ah, like it it bothers me. But it only bothers me because I care about people. Right. But you can't save everybody. No, you can't. You can't. You cannot save anyone. Really. That is is not a cross that any one person should in a healthy life and a healthy way of living Mm -hmm. be taking on. Like, yeah, it's important to care about people and it's important to give your best to the people that you care about. There's a line though. Exactly. And if they're accepting that help, if you see the growth, if you see the effort or whatever, keep giving that help, keep giving Mm -hmm. that guidance. The moment though, that you see that it's falling on deaf ears. It's not being received. It's not being acted on. Mm-hmm. That's your cue to stop. Yeah. That's your cue to stop. And it's not to say you have to exit that person's life, but maybe you can change, change the context of your relationship. Yeah, or right? create some space. Maybe see them maybe once a month or, you know, like Whatever. you don't have to, yeah. you don't have to, you're not entitled or you're not in, chained into being a certain person with Anything. that somebody yeah you can create and change the dynamic anytime right yeah. like even like for example for me one of the biggest lessons that I've learned was boundaries with my own dad right and for a lot of people I'm really happy for those who have phenomenal relationships with their parents because that's something I wish I had yeah. but I don't and that is okay like that is my life that is the yeah. dad that I have and that's it it is what it is learning how to create boundaries with him Right. freaking hardest thing hard and you know there's a moment where I'll probably open up right now today on the show that I didn't talk to him for six years of my life um but it, learning how to create boundaries is so necessary mm-hmm. for your own self um because it really then teaches you that you have self-respect for yourself and it, in a way it is an act of self-love even though it doesn't feel great even though you feel like you're losing something, mm-hmm. you feel like, you know, something you really want something to work out, but it won't, but you have to create that line. Um, where was I going with this? Without, something without, that you said that made me started talking about it. Um, it, it. It's going there without, without going over the edge because mm-hmm. I think especially now, and this is sort of the sentiment I see when I go on social media and I'm interacting with like the, you know, the world, mm-hmm. it, self-love started out like everything else, noble cause, you yeah. know, uh, but it can and has devolved to selfishness, mm-hmm. which seems to be widely prevalent in a world that is inherently and increasingly disconnected, yeah. right? We, are, we might be in contact with every person ever in the world because of our phones that's yep. just in your pocket. But yep. how often do you find yourself actually connecting to people on that, that deeper level, mm-hmm. right? And so if you aren't connecting to a lot of people, and there are a lot of people, we talked about this this week, 
men, a lot of men, 50% of men find themselves without any one friend. Yeah, which breaks my fucking heart. Right. I know we've had this conversation, but I have to like literally say that like it breaks my heart. That fact that when I sent you that video um, that Lewis Howe talked about that he was at a conference and he said, okay, women, do you at least see your girlfriends once a week to talk about struggles that you have, whether it's with your relationships or with your finances or the fact that you gained weight or, you know, something's going on and all, all the women raise their hands that yes, they have a girlfriend that they see at least once a week, whether it's a group of girls or one girl that they go and talk and be vulnerable about things. And then when it came to him asking about men, men do you go at least once a month to a cafe or anywhere, home, to another friend of yours, a guy friend, and talk about these things. And only two out of like, what was it, a, a thousand people in that room? I'm not sure. I don't it was a huge yeah. number. Only two raised their hands. And it literally crushed me. It literally crushed me. It was such a... It crushes you as an observer. Can you imagine yeah. what it's like to live like that? I know. Right. I know. But my... I, actually, I lost my train of thought. I completely lost my report. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so sorry. For derailing I feel like, that. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. I feel like I've been the one saying that the most. And then I hear you guys like saying it now. I'm like, oh shit. I'm, like, yeah. I'm giving up the wrong thing. I'm giving away the wrong thing to you guys. But um, yeah. no, like at the end of the day, again, it comes down to balance. But oh, I was talking about um, like the danger in, in selfishness, mm, self like, yes. turning into selfishness. Because mm-hmm. it can. It can fester away, rot away. And that's what's happened. And I think a lot of people walk around with using words buzzwords like like empowerment and self-love as justifications for selfishness remember what i said if it walk like a duck and it talk like a duck yeah everybody and anybody can look at someone's behavior Mm -hmm. and decide just from the way they act the way they speak how they interact with people whether or not this is self-love or if this is selfishness and they're not the same they're They're wildly different. different one is incredibly harmful and the other is incredibly helpful yeah or healthier i would say healthier yeah helpful healthier yeah yeah people like i shared on the episode with chris people point their finger at somebody but they don't realize three of their own are pointing right at back at them yeah and it's this word was taken self-love as an excuse I would say as an excuse. Many people still use it in a right way, though, in a healthy right way. But All there's also a lot of used in a healthy right way, and a lot of people use the justification that there are still some people that mm-hmm. use it in a healthy right way to kind of offset the toxic parts of it, and like everything. You mm-hmm. could talk about Black Lives Matter. You could talk about feminism, mm-hmm. veganism, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, we get it. There are people with noble intentions who aren't hurting the world, mm-hmm. but there are way more or way louder people yeah. who are hurting the world using these words. So you've got to mm-hmm. hold it accountable. Mm-hmm. You've got to hold them accountable. You have to hold society accountable. You have to hold your role in society accountable. accountable right? Absolutely. So it's it's totally fine. I get it. You know, there, there are people who are doing, you know, self-love, quote unquote, correctly. Mm-hmm. But there are way, way more people who are using it as an excuse to act poorly. Mm-hmm. And that's... It need, you need, we need to talk about it. Like it needs to be mentioned. It needs to be, people need to have their, they need to open their minds up to it mm-hmm. and call it out when they see it. Did you find as well, because you have a very good um, perspective on this. Did you find that you gained this perspective due to what you went through as a child in your family? 
the difference between self-love and, and yeah. selfishness. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Not just my family, like all of my life, like all of the things that have happened in my life, all of the people that I've met on like a deeper level, the places I've gone. I mean, I've had a pretty crazy career. Yeah, know? it changes. Three careers before 30. Yeah. You know, I was in radio. Mm-hmm. I was in the military for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've gone to some pretty cool corners of the world and met some pretty cool people. Seen a lot. Seen a lot. I have a good perspective of what I will call human nature and human condition mm-hmm. because you can see how people behave in different cultures in different languages and different social standards. Yeah. And if you can see the patterns between all of them, guess what? You just found the money button. That is how people are. That mm-hmm. is what people do. Mm-hmm. And when you can kind of like sift all the sand out and find those, those clumps of gold, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you bank on. Mm-hmm. So you have the one thing I absolutely love about your language, how you talk, you use a lot of imaginary type of words. Like you just said, like shift the sand. You, I don't know if you said something before too. I'm like, I love the way he, he described something. You're very imaginative with your words. I yeah. just had to say that by the way, because I didn't, I, I didn't bring it up before, but I'm like, words, I love the way I he do said find, that. I do, yeah. And that's why it, words matter to me because yeah. I, I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And I think I select, I'm very quick on my feet with words, mm-hmm. but they're there. And I use them where, at least I think, I think I use words properly. Mm-hmm. I use, you know, if I'm conveying a specific meaning or a specific concept, I'm, there's a word for it and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to use it on purpose when I use it. Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of other people maybe try to use words to maybe make their vocabulary sound fuller yeah. or I don't know. And then they miss the mark entirely. I'm like, that's not even what that word means, mm-hmm. let alone what you're trying to get. Like you're trying to make a point and you've derailed it by saying yeah. this one verbiage matters. So yeah. I do appreciate it. I do care about it a mm-hmm. lot, like mm-hmm. using the right words. Yeah. And learning yeah, words. yeah. So. For me, I find that, yeah, I use the words like I'm cautious with the words I say, but also it comes from my own self-expression. I think it's like from what I made that word mean as well. Yeah, so, you can see how that would become a major issue in I terms can, of communication. I can understand <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm very like, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Definitely yeah. aware of that. Um, that's another thing I've been working on the last, I would say years communication, but communication has been getting a lot better with me. Or I've been getting better with communication. I should say because of how my life has changed dramatically, even from a year ago mm. till now. A year ago, you and I were sitting at a cafe in Newmarket, and I was going through so much anxiety. Do you remember that? And then I met your other friend, Natalie. Oh, right. That was a year ago. Yeah. Right? So even just from a year ago till now, everything that happened within this year, I feel like my communication has been getting better, but it's also because I'm dealing with things better. I'm also looking at things better. I'm also taking care of myself better. I'm also um, prioritizing myself in a better way. And I'm going to, of course, use the word self-love here, but I'm using in the sense (laughs) of creating boundaries or or being real with myself. Be like, girl, you made another mistake again. Yeah. You and then, like and see that's to me that that's self love too. That sounds, that sounds like for me self love. Yeah. It's not just a feeling. It's yeah. also like actions and like the awareness that you have and having to do something that you really don't want to do, but you know it's healthy for you to do. Like calling yourself out on your own shit and exactly. be like, you said you were gonna do that better. How come I, you didn't do this? I would so. describe self real self love as as the active process of returning, of middling yourself. The active middling? process. Middling? What's, what's middling? Think about it. The active process of bringing yourself back to balance. Oh, like recentering yourself, aligning yeah, yourself. Middling. I like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I like right. that. I like that. But, but, but 
too many people will go and be like, well, no, 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 no. Self-love means doing things that'll make you feel good. Doing things that make you feel good about yourself. That's mm-hmm. that boss bitch shit. That's that. That's boss bitch shit. What's, what's, yeah. Alex, what's that word fucking Andrew Tate motherfuckers love? What is it called? Big, big gooch? What? 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 Oh, top G. Top G. What's top big G? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like words that guys use who are fans of Andrew Tate to describe, you know, self-love top g shit that's top g shit oh i haven't right? heard it's of like, that before it's, a, it's a, yeah it's a male equivalent yeah. of boss bitch it's it's oh. it's stupid and laughable it's it really yeah i was gonna it. say i've never heard of that before yeah. and that's questionable okay yeah. okay okay yeah. but yeah no the active process of middling yourself mm-hmm. is that's to me is that's to me true and there's as self-love much, right there there's as much um holding yourself accountable as there is boosting yourself up on those things that you're good at yeah. You know, if you know you're good at this or that or the other, mm-hmm. there's, why should you hold back? Yeah, you know, hey, I'm good at this. Tell the world, hey, I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want someone to do this for you, seek me out. Mm-hmm. Versus if you're doing something really shitty, be like, okay, this is really bad behavior. This got to stop. What's the root of this? Why do I do this by default? Yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Yep. You have to be doing both of those. And that is self-love. Absolutely. That's how I view it. Yeah. That's how, exactly how I view it. Right. It is a good thing to talk about because it's hard. It is very hard hard to to calling out on your own shit. But you know what? It kind of became one of, I feel like because my personal relationship with myself has gone so like, it's so much better now that when I do call myself out on my own shit, it's not scary. It's not, I'm not defense. Like I'm not, how do I say this? Defensive defense towards it. Um, I don't shy away from it. If anything, You've broken down the ego. Oh like. yeah, and that's so yeah. yeah. There's people who have high egos, and then there's people that are selves, like themselves. If that makes sense, like yeah, they're yeah, who constant- you tr- in your in your, your nature, nature in yeah, your nature. Exactly. There's your yeah, your ego and your nature, which are and then that's another that's another two things that are wildly wildly different. So yeah, yeah, it, you can tell when someone if you're saying something to someone, you can tell if they're either in their ego or either in their nature based on how if they respond or they react when someone reacts to what you're saying they're in their ego when they respond they're in their nature i don't think that that's fully true because i I do but why okay yeah but tell me why i I think i think that there are people who are who are very much in themselves Mm -hmm. finding themselves at odds with other people who are very much in themselves Mm -hmm. so when somebody says something that's like think about you think about being in your you know you're in your natural state of you you you're you seeing you have your own perspectives or whatever, and you're hearing some some opinion or some whatever that's controversial to you. It, it, stri- it strikes against your nature. Mm-hmm. Human nature is, and any other animal for that matter. And something happens that's against your nature. Mm-hmm. You 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 are automatically defensive. Mm-hmm. You are automatic. So, but it's how far they take gonna, it though, like, and how, yeah. what they say, how they talk, how they make the situation. Right, but that's that's more of a, a that's more the nitty gritty of the reaction rather mm-hmm. than. Yeah, so I I don't think. Because there are some people who 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 are egocentric that will respond. They're, they're maybe they define themselves very like I used to be. I think massively egocentric, but when I would have conversations, we all were. We all yeah, were. Yeah. But my big Before. thing was having like everybody would call it poly talk. You know when I talk oh, about politics yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. at the bar or like some stranger. I remember or it would be at Adriano's um, basement. You and I went off about how World War Two started. Do you remember that conversation? I do not remember that okay. conversation. I don't My remember God, the conversation. I was so annoyed with you. But then the way I was 
reacting. Yeah. I remember like when I see it now, I was so in my ego, like trying to prove you wrong. Yeah. Oh my God. I was so heated from that conversation. You were also but- coming at me from a Polish standpoint. Which yeah. I, and I kept remind. I do remember the, because I, I do this to a lot of people when I talk mm. about World War II. World War II is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Mine too. Like a lot of old people. Yeah. Uh, but when people talk about World War II, what I find them doing is they talk about it from whatever culture. nation or yeah. culture they identify with. And yeah. what happens is you get wildly different recounts. Yeah. You There are not a lot of people. I mean, there's, there are a lot of professionals, but not not really like a lot of people who actively want to take in the perspectives of everybody from World War II mm-hmm. and try to understand the picture as a whole, yeah. right? It's important to delve into the Jewish story and the people who survived the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. It's also important to delve into the Nazis. How yeah. on earth did you get to that point? Yeah. How did your society become that. This, this breeding ground for this kind of behavior? Yeah. You need to talk about the British who held their own, the Poles who held their own, but mm-hmm. also got annihilated, mm-hmm. the Russians. They, you have to talk about everybody. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a world war. So the whole world was there mm-hmm. and everybody has different opinions on it. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get the truth if you're just looking at one person tied to the story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you're just looking at the polls mm-hmm. there you're going to get only the polish perspective you're going to find it very difficult to justify why a kid from gatineau quebec <laughs> was conscripted <laughs> and found himself walking up then down the hills of sicily yeah he's going to be like what the fuck does a polish person have to do with my story yeah and this whole experience yeah and he's right he would be absolutely right to ask that question mm-hmm. and that's sort of the important that's the important thing to do right you look at world war ii and politics as a whole mm-hmm. especially when you're looking at this country versus that country this idea versus that idea you have yeah. to be looking at what's the motive behind it on either side because there are very real people mm-hmm. experiencing very real emotions who are very driven mm-hmm. on either side how does someone get there yeah. whether or not it's good or bad mm-hmm. it's totally different that's that's up to your own mor- morality but yeah yeah you have to look at everything to understand absolutely and that's why i also really love learning about world war ii because again as you said it was a whole world nation type of event that lasted for too long and um obviously with what my parents went through what my family I should say what my family went through and my own like I just love like what's called reading bibliographies and I've been to Auschwitz twice and I would love to go and check out other concentration camps and just different historical places and like learning constantly more about it but yeah it's obviously it's kind of like I don't want to say a biased thing but it's also it, but exactly that's but the right it is word. in a way it is biased it is in because a way in, in, yeah. in, and a lot of the framework for World War II in your mind especially mm. as a somewhat of Polish descent mm. is going to be primarily focused on Poland where mm. a lot of the war was fought where some of the most brutal battles of the war was fought mm-hmm. some of the most atrocious things happened in yeah. poland so the story poland's world war ii story is gonna be it's very thick first of it's all it's so and not a lot of people know about but it it's but it's not it's all i know because there's also how much, other countries how much, you, how much exactly how much you know about the pacific side of things yeah right the japanese invasion of manchuria which mm-hmm. is arguably one of the worst human atrocities ever and mm-hmm. people don't, who doesn't yeah i didn't know about, about it. it and that happened yeah. concurrently mm-hmm. with the holocaust mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that was happening by the other bad guys the japanese yeah right in China, yeah. and they were in the Philippines, and they were on all of these Pacific islands. They took over Vietnam. They mm-hmm. took over, you know, Asia, essentially. Mm-hmm. They took over, like, half the world. Mm-hmm. And people don't talk about it that much. Yeah. But that was ha- that's a part of World War II. In fact, they split the war into two theaters, arguably three. Right? You had the European theater. You had the Pacific theater. Mm-hmm. And then you had, like, the African theater, which is in North Africa. The war was fought there. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Ethiopians beat off the Italians using basically sticks? No. 
Ethiopia was like the only country in Africa that has been. This was during World War II? Absolutely. Italians went to. Really? Yeah. For what reason? Mussolini wanted to recreate the oh, Roman of Empire. Him. Yeah, true. Right. Do you see how massive this story is? Oh, wow. All of this shit is in a, and everybody in, there was not a corner of the earth. There weren't, there was not a population on this planet. Yeah. That, that wasn't didn't affected. at least know yeah. that this was happening. Mm-hmm. That wasn't at least a little bit affected by it. Yeah. Right. Jamaica. Do you know how many Jamaicans went from living, you know, under the boot of like the British to having to serve the British? My, my grandfather included. Mm-hmm. Right. During the, the wartime. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, all corners of the earth. There, there were Indian soldiers fighting in both world wars mm-hmm. quite nobly. There were Africans from all over at the, this massive continent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you obviously had Europe. Europe was, was the primary battleground for a lot of it, but it wasn't all of it. It wasn't even half of it, mm-hmm. right? So more like, oh, now I'm going to dive more into it. You should. I will. It, it is, you will, you will, I promise you, you will uncover horrors. Oh, I'm sure I will. That you were not aware of. I'm sure I will because I already have and I'm sure there's so many. There's so many more, right? If, if you read... I'm going to pick your brain. I'm going to call you. I'm going to text you and be like, okay, yeah. what book should I read now? What book should I read? What documentary no, just, should I read? Just just do it on your own. I think oh, I can. I will. I will. But, but Manchuria, you should start with Manchuria. And that's Manchuria? an important story that everybody should be talking about. That's just an important story that we, we commemorate the Holocaust mm-hmm. in a somber manner and mm-hmm. but we don't do it for Manchuria. Mm-hmm. And I find that very strange. Right, yeah. It was a brutal, brutal uh, occupation mm-hmm. um, of the Japanese. And that happened in the 30s, right? That was sort of like their, it wasn't their first effort, but it was definitely one of their more violent efforts to expand their realm, quote yeah. unquote. You know? It's very and interesting. There it was a lot of murder, a lot of genocide, a lot of rape, a lot of, it was horrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an important part of the story. It really is. I'll look into it. Yeah. All right. Let's go back into what we originally were talking (laughs) about. Reverse. Reverse. Okay. So I know we briefly spoke about what we're going to talk about on the show through like texting and all. Do you want to dive in? Yeah. Let's go into it. All right. Do you want to start on your end? Yeah. So I mean, what was your childhood like? Positive and negative. So, okay. My childhood, I was born in 95. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would say my childhood was from like, you know, time I was born all the way up till about 13. Mm-hmm. And then 13, A, you're 13. And that's like the coming of age in a lot of cultures, mm-hmm. including my own. B, that was when my like dad left. That's when we lost our house. That's when my whole life kind of fell apart. So I went from blissful childhood to boom, the real world in, you know, a blink of an eye, quite literally overnight. Mm-hmm. So my childhood. I, have, I do have something to say here. Yeah. When you said the word real world, mm-hmm. wouldn't you also though classify that your blissful childhood also was part of your real world too though? Because no, I no, find no. that people throw that word around, but it's like, but you, before shit really got bad, you also lived a life that's real world because yeah. you had a pulse. You are, it is and it isn't. And I'll explain what I mean when I say real world. I, I, again, remember, I pick my words carefully. Yeah. But that's when why I, I want to ask. Yeah. I was living in a bubble. Mm-hmm. My neighborhood at the time, Aurora wasn't as built up as it is. Like, the population has more than doubled since then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my little neighborhood was, like, in the midst of farm fields. There was nothing around. Yeah. We had two schools in my neighborhood. You had the public elementary school and the, and the Catholic elementary school. Mm-hmm. And then you had this, like, little kind of crescent of maybe a thousand homes, mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot, but that's not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a thousand families or so living in this, like, little sort of, like, micro-community within Aurora. Mm-hmm. okay and in that time in the 90s 2000s kids played outside mm-hmm. and your car doors were left unlocked your house 
was left unlocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot freedom of freedom and like trust and a lot of community. Trust. There was a lot yeah. of community trust. You're absolutely right. That's exactly it. Yeah. And and we were raised as a community. Mm-hmm. A lot of our moms and dads, like a lot of our parents were immigrants. You had a lot of like different cultures kind of intermixing together. Um, and again, I've, I've said this on the show too before, like Catholic school, growing up in Catholic school, religion was the basis of culture. So yeah, my family was Jamaican and my friends were Italian and Portuguese and Irish and and they had these little things they did inside their home and whatever. They would share these things that were elementally like about their culture. Mm-hmm. But overall, by and large, the cultures were the same because they were rooted in religion and the religion was the same. Yeah. So even the Poles, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of like it, it, the Catholic basis, the Christian basis, I guess, of life, and the Christian values that's what made were you the guys... primary ingredients of, of our community. Yeah. And that's how we were raised. So we were raised by each other's moms. You know, we got beat by each other's parents. Really? When we did stuff. Even another parent of Absolutely. yours? Absolutely. I've oh, said wow. it before. I've told the story. Like, if you were the last house on the way home from doing something bad, yeah. and all the parents found out, you were the sorry son of a bitch that got beat by everybody's mom no on the way. way home. And then when you got home, you still got beat by your own yeah. mom. Yeah. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and I, I, See, I got the belt. I got the hand of slap, course. of course. Yeah, I got all that but too. But only from my parents, not from... Oh, no. And my I remember... I will never forget my mom having a conversation after school. She came to pick us up or whatever. And she did home daycare. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I had all the other moms that did home daycare and then all like the, my friends' moms. Everybody was picking us up. Um, and they were talking about, I guess, this disciplining the boys because like, we were getting to that age where we were becoming unruly. Mm-hmm. We we're not listening. We we're doing things that were dangerous. So how old were you now? Like about 10, 11, 11? 11, 10. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we were playing with fireworks i wish i knew we you were... back then to see how you were yeah. oh my no, it was i'm grateful that i still met you when i was 14 and you were 15 yeah. but still like no it was it was i, a would, cool, I wanted was a very to know cool how childhood. you were like as a kid yeah it was a very cool childhood we did lots of cool stuff we were very creative we made our own fun mm-hmm. we, had, we had this wicked fort in the conservation area the forest behind the house yeah and and we would go there every day after school the best was on garbage day somebody was throwing out a couch or a carpet you had no like 12 way. young boys picking taking that the, shit up and I'm taking it to... into the forest yeah I know make... which forest you're talking about it's shepherd's bush that's right yeah shepherd's bush and yeah. we built this massive teepee we had like a you know that there's a teepee still we... there yeah that was ours oh my gosh so we had like a bridge system I remember I will never forget making this thing this yeah. is where I learned about gravity okay right? so I I'm like 11 years old yeah. and I climbed up this tree and we were running oh, how do we make this so we had a guy who lived right beside the school mm-hmm. and his dad was like a tradesman or whatever so he had all these tools or whatever and whenever we were at the house and we were doing stuff fumbling around with stuff he'd be mm-hmm. like oh here's how you use this tool here's how you use this tool whatever so we knew how to do stuff yeah so we drilled holes we had like a bunch of these like two by fours cut into little like sections like ladder slots yeah and we drilled holes in them and we took wire and we ran or not wire rope and ran rope through it so we made like a like a rope bridge yeah Ooh. and then we hung that around <gasps> the outer edge of our fort in the trees up in the trees oh that's so cool like t- tree top trekking type of style yeah. oh so cool so we went so cool. climbed the trees hung this handmade homemade thing 10 year olds by the way might i remind you or actually maybe like 11 or 12 so that's the same yeah i i had started smoking so it was at least after 11 wow yeah. okay. so 
And we're up in the tree, smoking cigarettes, hanging little fucking treetop trekking pathways. Yeah. Using drills, hammers, nails. Wait, how did you discover gravity? Did you fall? Yeah. Because I was in one tree and my buddy was in another tree and he had the rope bridge rolled up. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to throw it to you. And I'm like, all right, I'm here. He (laughs) threw it. Bad throw, by the way. I will never let it go. Yeah. It was a bad throw. And he threw it too far out from the tree and I was too confident in myself. And I was at least two stories up. Mm. Okay. And I reached out lost my handle on this old ass pine that I was up in mm-hmm. and boom fell Shit. luckily I was onto the forest floor which was covered in like dead pine needles and stuff so it was padded yeah, but, yeah you didn't have a concussion or anything like that oh, nothing I, sprained I, I definitely hurt myself I didn't yeah. break any bones fortunately because yeah. you know Thank but, God, uh, yeah. No, wow. I definitely hurt myself. Yeah, I had to go home. I remember that. Yeah, I, I think any person would go home. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't ride my bike, so I had people <gasps> take my bike back. And they, now, again, I've talked about this too. We had contingency plans for when people got hurt. Mm-hmm. How do we get the bikes home? How do we do this? And that, that was, mm. kids don't do that today. I know it's and so sad. There are a lot of critical skills I learned in life from those days. Yeah. Right. Just how to general motor skill stuff as well as social interaction, yeah. and kids don't have that anymore. Yeah. So yeah, by and large, I would com- I would say my childhood was you know, and it, it was it was a bubble. It was protected. It was sheltered. It was controlled by our parents. I see what you mean. So, yeah. real world, when I was exposed to that, like when my dad left, we lost our house and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things that were happening to us, I was hearing about for the first time, yeah. as they're happening to us. So I now develop That's a perspective. So like everything I know mm-hmm. is not real. Life isn't like this. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I think back on it, I, I see my childhood as almost like movie-like. Mm-hmm. Like, really, there wasn't anything going wrong. The, the worst things that were happening were like my hockey pads were falling apart. We had to duct tape them back together. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what I mean? Just stupid stuff like that. Like, there, yeah. there weren't real problems. Yeah, yeah. And then real problems happen and you realize you have no idea how to cope with this stuff. And you also realize there are people who do know how to cope with this at that age, at 13. I remember thinking about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Being like, there are people who have had way worse than me in this situation. And they're, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I found myself using that term, you know, real world. I didn't know what the real world was like mm-hmm. until after. So, you know, childhood, I would say very blissful. Right. Very right. fun. So carefree. Can you walk us through that memory? Of everything going, changing? Yeah. Yeah. 13. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very long story, but I will sum up the down to, you know, it, it really kind of comes down to my, my dad didn't know who he was at mm-hmm. that time. He How old also, was your dad too, by the way? Sorry? How old was he? Oh gosh, like early forties okay. when everything kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. When that time I was 13, it's like 2008. So like mid forties pushing, he's coming up onto, onto 50 at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyways. When that all happened, I, I kind of found myself like shell-shocked. Mm-hmm. That was definitely... The, and I remember feeling my feelings kind of turn off. Mm-hmm. And I remember almost doing that to myself. I can... I know the feeling. Right? Yeah. Like, the sw- like a switch. It's, it's like flicking yeah. a switch. L- yes. Yes, yes, yes. I know that feeling. And right? you go numb? Yeah. Complete numb. Right. Yeah. I know that feeling. And yeah. then I used humor was, was like really my only sort of... So in high school... You, you were you can so humorous, yeah. A high energy, super Class funny. clown. Yeah. And everyone's a lot of people best would be like friend. Carefree. Principals loved you. Yeah. Students loved you. Teachers loved you. So yeah. 
Matt would do it. He got it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was, I had my foot into everything. Like I was into drama. I was in auto and mm-hmm. uh, auto shop learning. About then your rugby and stuff. team. I was, I, was, I was played football. I, yeah. you know, so I was like, I had a foot in every door sort yeah. of thing. Going to every party. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and everybody knew me and like, I didn't really have any enemies. And you knew different, like different um, groups. Great yeah. groups and grades too. Maybe the people that some people might call you like quote unquote, you know, losers in high school. You know, yeah. if I saw them alone, I'd be like, Hey, you want to sit you want to have lunch or whatever like I didn't have enemies in high school at least I don't think I did yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and if I did have enemies it wasn't over anything serious no because you so, never did anything wrong that's it's not that I didn't do anything wrong but you never I, spoke about anybody I didn't you go never... out of, I didn't I didn't go out of my way to hurt people that's that's yeah. sort of the thing right? you would never yeah when I think of you even obviously now you becoming 28 soon you don't have that in you you never the killer instinct never <laughs> you would never do that you would never do that but so yeah i mean and then in that time obviously i had a couple of friends that were aware and honestly by a couple i mean really only like one mm-hmm. um which is the guy we tried to get on the show today how could he not show up here that's I know. not nice of but him he, but it's okay a, one he's day a guy who can attest to it he can attest to like yeah he, he he said it to me i remember when we kind of got close and started sharing our personal stories and stuff mm-hmm. he goes man I would have never in a thousand years expected your story to go the way it has. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, you don't see it coming. You don't act like it bothers you. From you know, oh, from how you are now after it? Or no, kind no, of no, from no. blissful in state it, to... In it, in it. Like, in yeah. high school. Because I met him the first day of high school. This is like, really, yeah. very shortly after. Yeah. Right? He, he kept Yeah, because you were in grade, like, seven and eight. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Summer summer going into grade eight. Grade eight was, was, was my hardest year in school mm-hmm. for a plethora of reasons. Like, there's so many things that... That was a bad year for me. And I was completely dissociated that whole year. I don't remember very much of my grade eight year at all. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, I didn't want to be at home and I didn't want to be at school. See, with me, grade eight was the best year. I was myself and I didn't judge a single soul. Like literally when I say that, if someone walked in here with like purple and green and blue hair and they were, they looked like this and they did this and whatever, I did, I just accepted them. And I was also dancing though. So when you fill your life with passions that you adore, that you feel yourself in, despite whatever was going on behind closed doors, that was literally like the best year for me. So that's crazy that, yeah, for you is the opposite. Well, see, I found, I found exactly what you're talking about in high school. That's where, and like, and you can see it. If you look back on like my high school resume, Mm -hmm. you know, I won the arts award for the school board, not the school, the school board. Mm -hmm. That's like, isn't that like hundreds of schools? Uh, no, at least like it's like twelve high schools. Oh my bad, yeah. Maybe, maybe, I'm thinking maybe of like elementary more. schools too, but yeah, no, yeah, no high no. schools. Yeah, it's like for, it's like York Region, so I don't know how many high schools are in York Region. Oh, a ton, I would say probably like thirty or okay. twenty. Well, yeah. so I won leadership in the arts mm-hmm. in my grade twelve year for for my drama, mm-hmm. um, and then there was an award for for male students and there was an award for female students, and I went up and I think some girl from like Saint Teresa mm-hmm. um, came up on the stage and got her award when I got mine. Yeah. And I, I think she was like a visual artist. So I was confused too. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I'm like, I do not think I'm worthy of this kind of award. Yeah. Uh, I don't think my acting is that great, but I guess other people did. Mm-hmm. So I did drama and then I had football when I made grade 12. Unfortunately, I didn't run the team that year because the public schools went on strike. But that summer, I remembered the quarterback messaged me on Facebook because that's what we did back then. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, so, you know, here's like the captain roster mm-hmm. that you know the coach has sent out you've been picked would you be interested in being a 
I remembered you telling me this now, actually. And I was like, me? I'm like one of the smallest guys in the team or whatever. He goes, it's not about that. It's about A, your work ethic and B, how you rally the team. It's like your leadership. Yeah. And he goes, you're like one of like the, you know, you're a student leader at the school. Like, obviously, you're a perfect fit for this and you work hard in football and you you do well. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm about it. I'm down. So like I was... It, it, I, I don't want to say it came effortlessly for me, but I definitely used all of these things as an escape. I, mm-hmm. as you know, because I wasn't feeling anything on purpose. I was making myself not feel things, mm-hmm. and I wasn't addressing, you know, what was bugging me in life, and I wasn't addressing what, mm-hmm. you know, the things that were kind of eating at me, mm-hmm. head on. Uh, so I put my energy into all these other things, and to kind of avoid it and get away from it. It it created a cool resume, and it created a cool me looking back on it, almost twenty eight, being like, "Wow, I did a lot of cool stuff. I did this, I did that. You I met this, these I people. You tried yeah. this out. Yeah. You know, I got to try like all. You know, it. So it's it's in a way it was good, but it never fixed anything. It never solved anything because it never does. It's a, yeah, it's escapism. Fortunately for me, it wasn't harmful escapism. Yeah. A lot of other people can't say the same yeah a lot of other people will resort to things like substance abuse mm-hmm. or violence it, or lord knows there's and you're not even just like things. substance abuse or violence because those are definitely the common ones but it's spending your money yeah. getting into relationships constantly it could be not even it could be overly working out workaholics mm-hmm. the term workaholic you're yeah. it's an addiction and yeah. it's form of an escapism it's not something to preach about so yeah, there's all kinds. Well, mine, if you wanted to frame it that way, mine would have been keeping myself busy. Mm-hmm. And it was being used as a, a means of escaping the issues. Yeah. I'd, okay, I've got football. I've got, uh, I got drama practice. I was a part of the school play as well as like a bunch of other projects mm-hmm. in drama. Yeah. So like- Then I had you were a, DJing at one point with Yeah, um, I'm emceeing, right? I was working in radio as a student intern by the time I was in grade 10. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, so I was went in to cadets. Parties. I yeah. was in cadets as well. I was a cadet yeah. leader. Yeah. So I had a, I was busy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did to not have to go home and face the, the music or sit in school and face the music. And it's not head. like you knew this, right? Because so many no, people, they don't realize that their workaholism or the, them being busy or them, you know, going from relationship to relationship is a form of escapism, yeah. right? You don't see it until you have to actually, first, either you fall and you hit your knees and it comes at yeah, you, you, can, you can fall or you face. have to like... Wean off of it almost. In a way... And when you feel the discomfort, this feeling of discomfort that just comes over your body, or sometimes, you know, when you feel anxious and you're like, where the hell is this coming from? Or that loneliness, yeah. that's the time to chime in. But so many well, people are afraid of yeah, doing that's that, what you, right? have to, you have to double down. Like, look, this is what you're feeling right now. So mm-hmm. feel it. Like, you know, when you're feeling good things and happiness and excitement and stuff, everybody obviously loves those feelings. Oh, yeah. and you just want to keep it forever. But like, mm-hmm. it's not sustainable. And it's the same thing. When you're feeling these bad feelings or not so positive feelings, you can't just brush them off and shut them down. You have to feel. You have to feel them. Yeah. Like if that's what's here right now. Sorry, sadness is in. Everybody mm-hmm. else has gone to bed. Yeah. Feel sad. It is what. And it I is. learned that from you. I actually learned you're like one of those people that I go to if I ever need to go to somebody to try to talk. Yeah, like about, grounding reality. Check. Yeah, Sometimes, yeah, yeah. And I go to, to you for that like because that. you it ground it, it grounds me. Yeah. It grounds me to acknowledge simply like remember like back in January when we were at Blue Mountain and something happened my dad had a heart attack and I got that news literally from my cousin and from her fiance the moment they were leaving 
it was like 7 a.m. Everyone was upstairs sleeping. You and I, we were, we were just like hanging out on the couch. And then Evelyn turns to me. She's like, Nat, we need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm going over, right? And they said that, you know, my dad just called, or her dad, I'm sorry, my uncle called. And he said that um, I my dad had a heart attack. Yeah. And I was like, I remember I'm that. not surprised. Yeah. But I'm really pissed off at you. Yeah, that's what I remember. And then you're, you also eat like shit. And then all the things you've ever done to me. I don't have a great relationship with you. Yeah. Sometimes I hate you. And then I wish you changed. All of this surfaced up. I just remember when I was talking to you, like your face, like your eyes. Yeah. There was like a weird combo of like. Emotions. Heartbreak, sadness, yeah. and fuming anger. Like mm-hmm. I've never seen your eyes look like that. It was yeah. scary. So I was like. Yeah. but uh, that's- For me, I knew like. No humor, no nothing, no, no, I wasn't going to blow steam up your ass. I was going to tell you, I'm like, at this point, you're, you're not all there right mm-hmm. now. So you just need it straight. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what I appreciate about you so much is that when you said that, Matt, because I asked my, I asked you, I'm like, Matt, or I didn't ask you, I said this. I'm like, Matt, I'm surrounded by people in this house who are about to wake up and we're going to be doing activities. And also we're going to, there's things are going to be going on. I don't know how do I don't I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. And you're like, you have every right to literally cry if you need to. You have every right to feel exactly how you feel. You don't need to explain yourself to people at all. And I'm like, thank you so much. That's what I needed. But that's the thing. You are so good at honoring your emotions right where they are, whatever they are. Yeah. And that's what you have taught me. You were teaching me this in a way since we were in high school. Actually, the first time you and I had our like deep conversation. The time when we literally the sun came yeah. up at like 5 a.m. Yeah. in the car. Um, so I'll never forget that. And I remember you told me the value of time, how it's like man-made. And but, yeah, there were so many cool conversations we had at that time. But yeah, you were the type of person where you acknowledged your emotions. And that's where I learned that from you. And I'm like so beyond grateful oh, no, that I'm, you've I'm, taught me I'm that. I'm glad. Honestly, I, a lot of people have told me in the past, you're like, wow, you're like a philosopher. You're so wise. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I'll be the first to say I'm one of those people who <laughs> can preach from like the precipice, but I, I, I'm one of the worst to take our own, own advice. But aren't yeah. we all, aren't yeah. we all? We're so, we're all like that, right? And yeah. We well, that's all the thing. Like that. So like I, I have, I'm quite proud. I, I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know how you, you talk about being grateful for things. Yeah. And I don't necessarily practice that mm-hmm. by and large, but one thing I do practice that on is my friends. So yeah. I'm always grateful. I always think about how much I love my friends. Me too. How much they mean to me. I always think about it. So that yeah. was like a nice little I can literally cry about it right now because we're talking about it. And <laughs> <laughs> like, that's but how grateful I am. My, my circle, my people, I've kind of made it, I don't know, there's a dynamic where people in my friend group, in my close circle, I need it real. I don't want mm-hmm. you to blow hot air up my ass. I yeah. don't I don't find it useful. Mm-hmm. I think it, 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 it creates false senses of security. It creates a false sense of it's not, worth. It's, it's, it's relying. There's You're no lying value. You're my feelings yeah. and I don't want my feelings protected. Yeah. Right now, I, you know, I feel vulnerable. Right now, I feel sad. Right now, I feel angry. Yeah. So tell me straight. Mm-hmm. right don't lull over it mm-hmm. a lot of people do that too especially with men by and large mm-hmm. they're like oh i don't really understand that problem or that's not a real problem you should hear about this whatever don't lull over it mm-hmm. but like give it to me straight you yeah. know what a lot of everybody calls me goody you know what goody mm-hmm. it's a really shit deal mm-hmm. okay done said done okay yeah you want to feel better about this it's going to take action and it's going to take a long time you need to take it step by step you're one of the step by step people mm-hmm. who does talk to me a lot about you need to slow down mm-hmm. like that's a lesson that I, I've learned from you mm-hmm. in life slow down 
and like you don't need to have all the answers right now mm-hmm. and you can just kind of as you say peel the layers back whatever mm-hmm. uh, so i've learned that from you for sure mm-hmm. um, and a lot of my other friends alex what did you, know, you learn from alex alex him, <laughs> him and i are very similar i think he alex is i would say you know he describes himself as the overthinker he, he Aren't we all? Him and I are very similar, but he he overthinks more than I do for sure. So mm-hmm. he can get whisked away in on thoughts inside his own head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot easier than I can. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm kind of like I'm stubborn, right? Like I, I, <laughs> oh, I know you my, are. My roots. We are, all know you are <laughs> deep in the ground. Like it's hard to get me to. Sometimes budge. a pessimistic type of stubborn, but it's okay. It's yeah, okay. But, we still love but you. Again, pessimism, like pessimism is the opposite of optimism and mm-hmm. you need the two mm-hmm. you need the two yeah the, the, when you have that's a little bit of both you find balance yeah. right so that's my thing and like that's why a lot of people a lot of very positive people yeah. will say i'm pessimistic and dark and whatever and i'm like <laughs> it's not i'm literally just introducing you to introducing another you to, thing to an ingredient that you <laughs> refuse to fucking accept into your life not a refuse i would never say i would it. never say that i shut the door on it I'm speaking about you exclusively okay. but Thank i'm saying God, a lot okay. of people who are yeah. like Oh, this, that, life is rainbows, skills are pouring out of my asshole. Like, yeah. No, life is not fucking rainbows. You need a slap of reality every yeah, now and then. Yeah, yeah. Me and Alex, we see eye to eye on a lot of things. And where we don't see eye to eye on, mm-hmm. we're teaching each other to listen and appreciate other perspectives. So I've, that's a lesson yeah. I've learned from Alex. And Very like cool. we've had, especially over the last, I'd say six months, him and I, there was a point where we were on the phone every day for like at least three hours, mm-hmm. just chatting about life, whatever comes up, whatever you think about, that's kind of where we mm-hmm. agreed to get into the podcast. We're like, yeah, you know, maybe we should start sharing these ideas with people. Yeah. Whether or not it's a good idea is remain to be, you know, discovered. Well, it is somebody it will is. take something out of it, right? You never know. At least one person. You will. never know. So yeah. yeah, that's kind of, I I don't know. I've, I've learned a lot of lessons from a lot of people. I'm still learning, obviously. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things I don't do as well as I want to be able to do yeah. um, in terms of like emotional regulation and like self-control and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's where I struggle to self-regulation. Yeah. So, but that I'm so clear on, like I'm so aware on that. I know where my triggers are too, which I'm very grateful for. And I'm using that word as an actual meaning. Like I'm <laughs> grateful that I know where my triggers are because it's a now allowing me to have access to start to heal them because there's reasons to why I have triggers. And it's not because somebody's doing something maliciously to me at all. It's that somebody's so kind and gentle to me that it's like, this is such a foreign feeling. To me, it's like a red flag, but it's not a red flag. What's, you know, what's bad about someone treating you with kindness, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not used to it. Yeah, so foreign. it yeah. comes up as a trigger. And then I realize, okay, let's go in because it has to do with the abandonment wound. Right. And, oh, there's so much I could say about that. But um, where was I going with this again? Here we I've go. never met anybody who can derail themselves the way so, that Natalie can. I know. <laughs> I know. You're, you're very efficient at derailing I don't know yourself. why. I'm so great. Like when I'm writing, yeah. it, I get it. Like no, I'm your brain writing. Moves at a million but miles it's, an hour, it's but so you're, bad sometimes. It's so bad. And sometimes it's like this when I talk in English, but I'm thinking in Polish. And then when I'm talking. You do that? Yeah. And when I talk in Polish, sometimes I think in English and my words can't catch to each other. And I'm like, Fuck it, whatever. I've never yeah. heard of anybody who's bilingual oh, or yeah. mo- you know, speaks more doing that. I, yeah. Most people I know who are like born in another country and come here, they're like, no, no, no. Like, when no, I'm no, I do English, it. When I'm speaking English and I'm around English speakers, I'm mm-hmm. just thinking in English by default. Yeah. No, it's And then if so I'm speaking, bad. Right, your case would be Polish. Yeah. If I'm, you know, if I'm around Polish people who speak Polish, whatever, then I'll be thinking in Polish and then speaking in Polish. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should think about that. 
Hold okay. on, could you repeat that again? You're around Anglophones, okay? Anglophones. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you're around Anglophones. Yeah. You're, you, the only language that's going to be around you right is now English. is English. You should be thinking in English. But I do. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I do. I do. But then there are those moments where I'm thinking in Polish because I was maybe hanging out with my family or I'm listening to Polish music or whatever. And then I'm like, sometimes it's just, you know what it is? And I was... Again, we'll go back to our conversation about family trauma in a second, but because we keep derailing. Um, it was um, this amazing person that I follow. Her name is Joe Franco. She's one of the hosts on um, a Netflix show called The Amazing Vacation Home Rentals. Like oh, in the world, oh, I just love that show. If you haven't seen it, please do yourself a massive favor. You'll love me and you'll love it. Um, and so she explains because she knows like five, six, seven different languages. And one of the many reasons to why she loves learning languages and speaking in different languages is because you then it's not that you create a different character or persona. It's just you activate another part of you that's a, a foreign version of another part of you. That's already there. I view that it as makes it makes sense to me based on the like languages don't translate perfectly. So you kind yeah. of have to that's sort of how that's that in a way, yeah. But then it's also because like for example, yes, I'm born here, but I have Polish descent and I'm I classify myself as a Polish person so much more than a Canadian. I know you say the other way, but it's okay. Um but because there's so many things that I you won't ever understand exactly about my culture which is totally okay like you're yeah. not polish right yeah. you will probably ask questions maybe you want to try this maybe you want might want to know uh, like how to say something yeah. but you won't understand the not the depth but the actual atmosphere of that culture itself just like exactly like, yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. so when i speak in polish i can activate like i'm in natalie that polish natalie natusha natusha <laughs> same as natka and nati and yeah. all these different other nicknames too right. right but you'll never get that you'll never know that version well, not that you won't ever know that version but at the same time you won't ever really know that version because you're not in that culture to like to experience it itself does that make sense I, yeah i get i get what you mean yeah I, so I, but i mean on on the note of like the canadian you're Canadian as well. Mm -hmm. you, you are. And I mean, because I was born here. When we, yes, but like, when we talk about, like, when you're telling me about, like, Polish news, for instance, and stuff like that, and you're telling me about your views on their society and stuff, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's that, that point. That's when you need to stop and be like, okay, this is the Canadian me. Because mm -hmm. you were born and raised in Canadian culture and society. Mm -hmm. But my mom, like, she views the same thing as I do, but she was born there. And yeah, but she spent half of her life here. Yeah, I know. Same with my mom, more than half of their life here. Mm -hmm. So it has molded them. And my mom and your mom could probably sit down. Two very different backgrounds mm -hmm. wouldn't see the world eye to eye, but because they've been living here, they will probably find a lot of common ground. Mm -hmm. Imagine so, our moms came be, onto the show. Right. My, I asked my mom. She said no. no yeah, fair no, enough. No, my, I don't know if my mom would ever do that either. Right? But yeah. being Canadian is a part of it. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. That's part of your story. So, like, yeah, I, I mean, I think in in Canada, when we're here and amongst other Canadians, a lot of us will go, you know, Alex will be like, I'm the Greek freak, I'm Greek. And you'll be like, I'm <laughs> Polish and I'm Jamaican, you know. Yeah. But when we go around the world, it becomes very evident that you are, you know, Canadian. as much as you think you're Polish, you're, you're Canadian. Mm -hmm. And like, you will band with other Canadians in, say you went to Bali, for instance. Mm -hmm. You would bet because you guys see the world similarly. Yeah. You're, you're from the same culture. Mm -hmm. And so you'll be like, uh, okay, they, they do that. That makes me uncomfortable. They do this. That's really cool. They do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is a part of your identity, whether you like it or not. You know? Okay. A lot of, a lot of, you've said it too on the show. Sometimes you say, you know, uh, uh, nurture over nature sometimes, you know? And it's mm -hmm. true. I say that? You've said it before. Nurture over nature? Or something along those lines. Basically, nurture. your your environment plays a role in shaping you 
Ah, yeah, I've yeah. said that. Yeah. Okay, because I've never said those words. Yeah. Doesn't sound like my no, words. But I like get what you mean. I've said yeah. that before. Yeah, yeah. I just don't remember when I've said it. Okay, going back into right. the conversation. Rewind. Okay, so <laughs> um, I had a question for you. And it was, okay, so when it came to, oh, so, you know, in high school, all these amazing things were happening. You were super busy, you know, all this and that. When did you realize that it was actually escapism? And when did it hit you? That you're like, okay, oh, by the way, that smells so nice. Um, <laughs> but when did it hit you in a way you're like, oh. Uh, I don't and know it started it was, to slightly crack things open for you. I don't you. know if it, was a, if it was ever like a moment, like an aha moment. Mm-hmm. I didn't, for that, I didn't have an aha moment. For mm-hmm. that, it was sort of peel back layer by layer. Yeah. And then eventually you find yourself looking back on it. Mm-hmm. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see now yeah. that, that that was. Like I had never before this conversation sat down and looked at my childhood and been like, yeah, that was escapism. Mm-hmm. It is. But now you do though. But yeah. like there was a moment where it, that showed it, up that it, you're like, oh, okay, I see that. I, that was a form of escapism. No, there wasn't really any one moment, honestly. It was like, just, yeah. I would time. say that I would have, I would have had aha moments on a lot of other things in terms of self-discovery mm-hmm. than I would have ever been like, oh, me staying busy in my high school years was about escapism. Mm-hmm. Like that I can do now. Mm-hmm. And I had never done it before. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. What were you just mentioned it though, like that you had some aha moments though. But what were what was maybe one or two aha moments that do tie to your past? I would say the most profound aha moment would have been in grade twelve. That was like the year I had my first love, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and that was sort of the year where I got, you know, she pried emotions out of me that mm-hmm. I had locked away. When mm. I said I flicked that switch when my dad yeah. left and lost her house and stuff. Yeah. That was, I flicked that switch. I turned off the feels or whatever. And then it wasn't until grade 12. Now, this is like a solid five years after the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, this girl is making me feel emotions I hadn't felt before or as intensely. It was probably super scary too. It was terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that was sort of where I realized I, I've been kind of on autopilot mm-hmm. for all this time and started to open up. And then, honestly, my early 20s was really, that was what it was all about. In my Mm. early 20s was, um, you know, living, making mistakes, doing your thing, having fun, learning lessons, yada, yada, yada. But Mm -hmm. uh, at 25 firmly, especially with the ADHD diagnosis, and then I started having to do the therapy and having to look inward, Mm -hmm. that I realized, whoa, okay, there's quite a a list here of things that I need to To start correcting, right? Right. but that it was it was a long process. It was a step by step. There was never really any kind of like it's floodgates like open type of deal. One like it's like kind of the once you have acknowledged something or worked on something, the next thing shows up and the next thing then shows up after that type of deal. I, not necessarily next thing, next thing, next thing. A lot of it was concurrent and overlapped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Different things started at different points. Mm-hmm. Um But I don't know, I didn't ever find myself having aha moments there were a couple like i've explained mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of any kind of self-development along the way there was really just sort of roll with the punches unlock emotions bit by bit you know piece by piece and and now i'm at this point where mm-hmm. i'm as emotionally intelligent as i've ever been mm-hmm. um i can actually say maybe that i would qualify what i am as emotionally intelligent you are you but are before that there was no way i was apathetic for sure mm-hmm. um which might have been a combination of A, having my emotions turned off, and B, the ADHD, which makes you more naturally inclined to be disassociated with people that you especially don't have anything in common with. 
but she's trying to find gold in there. Oh yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you know, long story short, it kind of just, it's, it, it's been for me like a long gradual process. Yeah. And it, it's only now that I can look back on it and be like, Oh, okay. You know, I've changed considerably from this, that, and the other, but there was never any, when I was going through those changes, I didn't really stop and say, Oh wow, I've changed, you know, mm-hmm. you haven't like, had a moment like that where you kind of looked back and you saw how things just kind of, no, it's, it's more happening now mm-hmm. than anything else, really. Um, right. Yeah, never really any aha moments, mm-hmm. which kind of sounds surprising, I guess, maybe. In a way, yeah. But, but hey. It is just, just the natural flow of things, I think. And that's mm-hmm. sort of like my big thing for everybody is like self-awareness is and it's a thing that you have to work your ass off mm-hmm. to discover. Like it won't just happen. And sometimes it is easier, though, because when you are in the habit of it or that becomes your primary focus at times, too, because that does become my primary focus, then it it could come up easily, but not you shouldn't overtly do it. Obviously, you got to no more than, you know, now is the time I'm now I'm chilling and watching Netflix. Now I'm cooking dinner. Now I'm working out. And like, you know, I think a lot of people set a time set aside time for for meditation in Mm -hmm. their day. You're not supposed to be thinking about all that stuff during meditation, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Meditation is more of a quiet your mind type of thing. But you should have self-reflection time mm-hmm. then separately. And I know you're into journaling. I mean, that is that for you. For me, I don't journal. Um, I've written. Like, I've written my own little, like, memoir and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I've had, they, but those are all obsessive s- stretches. Like, I wrote my memoir in, like, six months. And I was working most days sitting down, typing away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Your like, book, right? Yeah, it's like tens of thousands of words, if not close to 100,000 words mm-hmm. of, of just my internal monologue just typed out and obviously revise it and stuff, add this, take that out, whatever. Yeah. That is really the only, that's the closest I've ever had to journaling. Mm -hmm. But I do think about it when I'm sitting and I'm present in my thoughts and stuff. I don't get scared of it. Mm -hmm. And you do that enough times and you say, you know, you kind of face the demon, if you will. And you go, I'm not scared of this. That's yourself. You're holding yourself accountable. You're looking into yourself, whatever, kind of pulling yourself apart psychologically, understanding what you're doing mm-hmm. don't do that often but mm-hmm. do it yeah if you do it often you will run out of things to fix <laughs> and then you'll start not fixing. really i always i always feel like there's an ever-ending never-ending vortex yes, of things yes and no but when i say you run out of things to fix i mean you're gonna stop you can only do so much to repair yourself in this day oh yeah yeah, yeah. you go yeah, and start with you. fixing things that aren't broken then you're gonna turn yourself into something that a you ex- had no intention of obsessive being, over it right? yeah and b you know you'll, you'll you'll end up doing stuff to hurt people because it'll be so foreign to you mm-hmm. you've changed things that made you you that people loved about you that there was really no problem with you being mm-hmm. and then you've only just because of your own self-sabotage yeah. gone oh i have to stop that and do this because you know and then that that's why you can't spend too much time in your head mm-hmm. and that's where you have your friends that hold that, that hold you accountable. Yeah. And if you don't have friends like that, it's a, that's a hard thing to live with, and it's a hard thing to try and go out and be like, oh, like let me go and try and find a friend. But I think we need to prioritize friendships a little bit more in life, mm. and we need reach to reach out to somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while just to connect. Be, hey, how are you? You don't even have to do that. I feel like that's just a kind of a cliche way of you know making yourself feel like you're doing something not well I okay mean, it depends on your intention because you really, i've done that with a friend before where i haven't spoken to her in three years i'm like i've been thinking about her this entire the last like two weeks i'm gonna reach out to her and see how she's act like how she's doing no i'm not talking about old friends i'm talking about making new friends oh you're talking about, yeah i'm talking uh, about which old is friends. like let's be honest like if i were to 
present you with that opportunity right now. Mm -hmm. Right now, I want you to tell me a game plan on how you intend to go out and meet somebody new to be friends with. Mm -hmm. Would you come up with a game plan? Do you even know what to do? I don't do a game plan. It's more of like, it kind of just happens. Mm, friends come easy to you. <laughs> what about it's, for it's somebody more, who might struggle it's to more, make friends? So what I would say is this. Wherever you are, okay, hmm. Okay, I think the reason to why it has been easier for me to meet people and make friends is because I have grown a better relationship with myself, to be honest, that I feel more secure in my in, in who I am. And I am, the way I view people, that everybody's, I think, really cool. Like, that's how I just view people. By, people by are default. cool. Yeah. By default. Yeah. You're cool by until de- you prove me otherwise. <laughs> yes. Honestly, yeah. that's one of my mottos is like, everything is all right until it's proven wrong. Right. That's one of my mottos, that's to be cool honest. Way to, I mean, that's a cool way to live. Yeah. And it makes me feel more free and makes me feel like, I, you know, let loose yeah. a little bit and all that. Um, but that's like, I generally really like people. And this might be a hard thing for those who are introverts. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think it would be cool then to get somebody who is an introvert maybe to who is making friendships to talk about that more because yeah. I can't really exactly speak on that because I am more extroverted. Well, um, Alex, for instance. He's an introvert? I want, I want you to get your two cents here on this one. He's not an introvert. You're, 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 but you are more introverted than I think the both of us are. So like, if you're going to approach making friends, new friendships and stuff, like, like, what do you, what do you do? How does that go? How does that look to you? No, I'm, I'm a bit more introverted. Yeah, I am. I, it's, I, I don't know. I don't really think about the approach. I just, I, for me, it's, it's that first interaction with someone. Right. If I catch a good vibe, then so I just, like, I, like I, I don't put effort into it. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's like you, basically, like, it's how the atmosphere is between the person and if there's something that's interesting about them and like. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah. I mean, if you, if you're somebody who struggles to find that, I mean, I don't really know what, what advice I could, I could personally give mm-hmm. you to find that. But like, it, if you're an introverted person, mm-hmm. look, I'm an extrovert. I think person. there's a reason to why people are introverted is because it has to do with. Insecure. Okay, not everybody. Not everybody. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But some people, for some people, why they claim as introverts when they really aren't introverts, they could be extroverts, but they claim that they're introverts. I don't know that some tr- people, but, but introverts can have friends. Like this circle yeah, is not yeah, to be yeah. big. No, but I'm, I'm s- talking about this from a stance of like, okay, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know, you have to do stuff in either arena yeah. in, to live life. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. I have to spend time with myself. Mm-hmm. I have to. You know, you ha- I have to do that. If I don't do that, then I'm going to completely lose touch of who I am mm. and then end up relying on other people to kind of tell me who I am. Or what yeah. my, what's my personality? What things do I like? That's not any way to live. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you're an introvert and you never take risks and you never go out and you never make friends and you find yourself feeling lonely or whatever, I don't want to sound like a dick, but you're, you're at fault. Mm-hmm. You need to put yourself in the discomfort of going out and meeting people and that's only when you'll find somebody who might just be as introverted as you and then you want to be introverts together and woohoo there you go you've got a new friend new friend and you know what so many people are so nervous to make friendships that when you are the one that goes to somebody or like you know you you make that approach that person could honestly feel super better like they could feel much better because maybe they were really nervous right maybe they were thinking oh my god i would love to go and chat with that person right now yeah type of thing right um you never know how somebody else is thinking so if you are you make the step and kind of go this is okay like i shared on the episode about dating did i share this no i shared it with you 
I don't. Did I share it on the episode where my approach well, when it comes let's to let's find out what it okay, is? <laughs> so, when, <laughs> so whenever I go on a date with somebody, mm-hmm. I always go with the mentality of I'm going to see my best friend, and the reason to why I do that is because I then feel more relaxed. And when I'm more relaxed, I can be myself. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm not trying to exaggerate on something that is not real or not true to its extent. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm me. So that's my approach. So if you go into it, like, you just, you know, there's a group of people or, like, say you're at a house party or whatever and you find a group of people that you want to go and chat with, kind of take it on as, like, I know them. But you don't know them, of course. But let... It, that mentality for me helps because it just puts your nerves down and you could go and just have a conversation with a human being. Right. That's So that would be my tip for introverts, extroverts, anybody that wants to make friends. I think it's harder to make friends these days than it ever has been. I think when you're looking at like friendships, mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this. I, I noticed this and let me know if you can mm-hmm. see what I mean. When we were kids and you would watch like TV shows or whatever, like the general theme of like movies and stuff that we were exposed to, it was a a lot about like making friendships, maintaining friendships. There was a lot of life lessons in these shows that we were exposed to, the media Mm -hmm. that we were exposed to was a lot, very friend focused. Yeah. Now in this age of like self-worth and love yourself and boss bitch and top G and all this bullshit, there Mm -hmm. is not a lot. In terms of friends and friendship, even in movies, it's always about like, it's the hero trope and it's always about the, you know, overcoming uh, the bad parts of life, a lot of by yourself, you know, mm-hmm. pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. That seems to be the tone of things. Now, do you see, do you know what I mean? I do. I and then when I see that though, that's when I shift gears and I don't put my focus on that. Does that make sense? It's so I'm, for example, though, like for example, at- though, yes, but here's the thing. So I have this new Instagram that I've had now for like a year because my previous one got hacked. So I followed a bunch of people that I did see that on my feed so many times. Mm-hmm. Now I'm much more conscious of who I follow. Right. To me, I follow people that are more real or more honest, who are more gentle, who are more themselves like who are creative who are people humans like it's everyone's a human (laughs) but like it's a complete to behave human yeah like it's completely perfectly imperfect my feed it it's just honesty it's rawness it's lessons there's some italy stuff on there there's some pastry stuff on there things that i love you know and my what i see now is more realness versus the boss bitch, the, the, you know, boss babe, you know, the, those types of stuff I don't see really on my feet anymore. It's really where you put your focus and attention and right. I don't follow anybody that I don't feel aligned to follow with. Hmm. So I don't see them that much anymore. I don't even have TikTok. So like yeah. I don't, and I don't want to see that. And it's not in a way of being like protecting myself. It's that you are what you consume too. You are the average of five people you hang out with you are what you do and what you don't do and so because i'm mindful about that it's like why would i want to look at that hmm. like i don't yeah, I, I, if that I, makes any sense i mean especially as a podcaster mm-hmm. i personally do and i know you and alex like to stay away from it for for exactly that reason and it's absolutely it's a smart approach 
I look at it as a good social indicator. It's mm-hmm. a good thermometer on like where the world is at right now, mm-hmm. which is obviously that's bang for making, you know, content. Right? Yeah. But I, I just, I don't know. I feel like when it comes to friendship specifically, the, the, the social temperature of the room has cooled. Like we're not concerned about friendships. So now you have a lot of people who don't know how mm-hmm. to even approach friendship. And that's why you get facts like 50% of men right now don't even have like a, like a, a quote-unquote best friend. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, I, I can't even imagine what that life is like. That's an incredibly isolating life. Mm-hmm. Like it's already isolating enough to have really close friends, but not necessarily being able to talk about everything mm-hmm. as a guy. Yeah. Right? Let alone just not have anybody is like, how do you get through your day that way? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a good social indicator because now you can see it from men and women. You could tell, like, people are selfish these days. Mm-hmm. And if you have a selfish society that has selfish morals, the, how that's not a fucking place that fosters friendships. Mm-hmm. Even if you were actively seeking it and you were like, you know what, I'm aware of that. I want to go and change it. I want to make some new friends that are quality, that'll boost me up, that I can boost up. Who inspire me. Yeah, all these Incredibly difficult to do. I mean, it's hard enough to do in a dating pool, which we all put focus on, let alone in the friendship pool, which I don't think anybody's putting enough mm-hmm. focus on. Mm-hmm. Right? And like families, like the nuclear family has all but completely died. What's like, nuclear family? The nuclear family would be like post-World War II, sort of like mom and dad, brother and sister, tight family unit, living yeah. within a community of other tight-knit units. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of dead and gone. Like it's a, it's a kite dream. It's a... I don't know. It's 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 gone. It's the past. Mm-hmm. So now we're like adjusting to this nude family dynamic where both parents have to work, where, you know, kids are more reliant on technology for their entertainment and learning, which mm-hmm. is I, I, as bad as it is good. I yeah. Think. Uh, and, and then friendships. How do you make real friends if you're communicating with people over FaceTime all the time? You're not. Mm-hmm. That's not a natural way of communicating. No, not at all. Not at Even, all. No matter how. It's deep a nice feature. Are. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice feature, yeah, but take it as a to feature. My, my grandma not, in Washington D.C. that I don't get to yeah, see all the time. Yeah, yeah my FaceTime. sister and I for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a nice feature. But it's obviously it's not the like. No, I'm the type of face to face. Quality time with somebody that's having the phone away, the even though my phone's here. But that's you know, how it's supposed to be, right? Like yeah. how our energy transfers between each other. That's how we, you know, that's how it recharges you. Mm-hmm. When you have that face to face, you feel recharged when you come out of it. Mm-hmm, if you're mm-hmm. with good people, right. whereas even if you FaceTime somebody you know you're really close to, you might come out of it feeling good, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, and we learned that in the pandemic, and I still feel like it hasn't. You would have thought that that would have caused us. That would have spurred us on. It like, doesn't. Let's return it, back a lot to of like people, it doesn't. For for people, it, some. Oh my god, I can't talk. For some people, it has for sure, yeah. and for some, it hasn't. Um, but it, I don't know I can't speak for every person to why it hasn't. No. Um, but I mean, if you're talking about society on a whole, when I say like gauging the temperature of society, like this is the by and large what what I would say most people are doing. This is a trend that the majority is doing, and mm. trends. The, the trajectory of the majority mm-hmm. is constantly changing, mm-hmm. which means that it we can change it by having discussions like this. Mm-hmm. So we should have these. We should talk about. I I hate the idea of people being like, oh, I don't want to. Mon-. I know I do it too. I don't want to monolith like, you know, speak about people monolithically like men, women, black, white, gay, straight, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to do. I think, especially in the context of like a podcast, mm-hmm. it's okay to do because it's there is truth to it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of truth to it. It's kind of like when 
we were younger, a lot of people would be like, there's truth to stereotypes too. There is. <laughs> Whether or not it's offensive is not my problem. There is truth to stereotypes. Stereotypes wouldn't come to be if there wasn't truth to it, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of truth with like humor attached to it, sometimes a little bit of hatred attached to it, and then it's, it's exacerbated, right? But still got truth to it. And it's the same thing with talking about people en masse, by and large. Just because something doesn't apply to you doesn't make it any less true. And it's okay to talk about it, I think, mm-hmm. by and large. You talk about society and the treatment of women. You talk about their society and the treatment of men. You talk about society and their treatment of, like, you know, marginalized people, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's truth to that. That's why people are screaming about it. So I think we should talk about it you know? mm-hmm. and not be afraid to offer your two cents on it. You don't have to change everybody's mind. You're not going to change one person's mind, but it's worth it to put out there, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I had another question. I was going to sometimes I just, they slip away. Yeah, they'll come fun. back again. They, yeah, they come yeah. and they go. Okay, but let's go back. Right. <laughs> like we, we know what we want to talk about and then we go out of it and then we come back. The so, art of a beautiful conversation. I That's know, I know, but let's stick, let's definitely stick more to the one particular topic on this. So after you've had your moments of, it's not like one aha moment. It was few, it just basically as time went on and then what, 25, you started doing therapy and all that. Person I look back and I'm like, wow. Yeah. 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 So how, because obviously what happened was caused by your dad, right? So what was your relationship like with him back then? Um, okay. So we've never always, we've never been, like particularly close mm-hmm. um, when I think back on my childhood. Um, when I look back on the patterns of behavior that he displayed as an adult, mm-hmm. I definitely see ADHD in it, especially having gone and been diagnosed and knowing that it's You hereditary. see now certain things, yeah. My mom, I don't think she has ADHD and she had a level of patience and empathy with me my whole life that makes me think, you know, okay, she didn't have it. And she didn't understand it fully. Like, mm-hmm. my mom is not perfect. No one's mom is perfect. But she was, she did her best. And her best mm-hmm. was, in my opinion, it was good enough. Yeah. Um, with my dad, I think I see a lot of myself in him. I've been told that by a lot of people, which mm-hmm. made me furious for the oh, longest yeah, time. Yeah. Because the, I hate, I was told done. that one time with my, yeah. this was like one, a few times when my mom and I had a massive argument. However, she she only said that because she, you know, some people say things, then they don't mean it. Yeah. Cause things come out in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Right. So she said, oh my God, you're exactly like your dad, a pure narcissist. I'm like, I'm just trying to understand you. But anyways, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. get into, top, into the topic of like what happened, but she said those couple of things. But afterwards it was because she was just so angry that yeah. she said those things and she didn't mean it. Um, but that feeling of hearing that, I'm like, Yes, it, it's like I, I mean. don't want to be like them. Like yeah. don't, well, don't. How dare you? Yeah, please don't say that because I rather. That. Yeah, I'm trying to put all the work here to yeah. not be like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It almost it almost undoes all the work you've done to not be that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people and do find scary. themselves. Some people do find themselves in that trap, right? Yeah. Where they do all this work to not be their parents, just to end up being exactly like their parents. Mm-hmm. That is a super common thing. That's in movies. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a super common thing. So it's yeah. Even doing personal development is a form of addiction too that's my point right mm-hmm. like that's my big thing when i talk about toxic positivity and like if it's I shit, should say it can shit. be i should say it can it, be exactly. not is it, sh- it can it, be but it's just like anything you can become radicalized in mm-hmm. 
anything. Mm -hmm. And remember, at the end of the day, all of these things that we call society, all these things we call our beliefs or whatever, Mm -hmm. is a bag of ideas, of not material stuff, Mm -hmm. of just concepts we create in our head. There's a collective agreement to, to, you know, adhere to to rules and this and that. None of it's real. It's It's all very imaginary. Yeah. With... We've now made it kind of permanent. You look out on the window and you look at all that infrastructure. We've literally transformed the earth to look and be shaped uh, in a way that is it fits with our ideas. Mm-hmm. But that's all they are. Yeah. And when things are bad enough, you know, when there's no food and there's no water and those days are coming, mm-hmm. people will very quickly revert to a more animalistic, natural lifestyle. I yeah. promise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's just what's going to... Nature is king nature will always win mm-hmm. right over our our ideas and our personalities and all that stuff because mm-hmm. other animals we see it in animals we all have our pets even they've got their own personalities which differ from other animals within their species and stuff but when you <laughs> funny that you're talking about animals because like luna's like talking time to time i'm like i wonder what she's thinking about right now yes i'm talking about you <laughs> and she, she's always like making noises but yeah you know? so you were saying yeah. yeah no it's that's that's when, when you, we have time right now. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Our society has provided us with a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So we can sit and we can think and we can come up with ideas and we can put our ideas in bags, call these, uh, these bags, you know, names like, you know, groups and yeah. movements. And when we were living like a hunter gatherer lifestyle, you didn't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Even when we were living in those earlier days of farming, we didn't have time mm-hmm. for all this idea sharing. And so, your life was very simple and mm. people were fulfilled in those days with a more simple life. Mm-hmm. There are there are people who are committed to maintaining simplicity, like the Amish. Not to say that it's done right, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's the whole point of it. It's about maintaining simplicity so you don't fall into a rut of, you know, chasing the unachievable. And that's sort of where we find ourselves now. And we've permanently damaged the earth in doing so. Like we've, our cities, that, that is, it, it's an eyesore Mm-hmm. it's unnatural we the, the our comfortability using chemicals and machinery to to terraform the earth mm-hmm. like that's all about creating you know turning ideas into material realities and it's not it's it's not gonna last mm-hmm. like look at the pyramids of giza mm-hmm. you know they're these massive tombs these right they're and, but they're, they're aligned a certain way to this day we're still trying to decipher what the meaning is you know what mm-hmm. we'll probably never fucking know and mm-hmm. guess what it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it was the ideas of these people back in the day and they did what they did with these ideas and then they died and now mm-hmm. it's done mm-hmm. it's over mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. finished all that we know about them is what's left and one day it won't be there mm-hmm. and then who's gonna know about them who's gonna yeah. give a fuck mm-hmm. right how do we know that there weren't any kind of dinosaurs that were like sentient, you know, even to some degree or another? And maybe they had their own little like systems and beliefs and ideas. And we don't know what the fuck they are because all we have left of them is is petroleum and fucking bones. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's it. And that's what's going to happen to us one day. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, with all this time and all these ideas, I think it's easy to get wrapped into thinking that, you know, our feelings are as important as we make them out to be. They're not. Our feelings are... Like a lot of other things in our lives, survival mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And when you think about anxiety, mm-hmm. living as a hunter-gatherer, mm-hmm. when you hear the growl of a lion, you be like, well, yeah, anxiety is pretty fucking useful right now. Yeah. Utter rage, happiness, elation, all these feelings yeah. are very useful when you're living 
as a part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. When you're living in a fucking concrete camp mm-hmm. with millions of people, all with their own ideas and their own perceptions and stuff, and you're finding yourself, your ideas are at odds with all these other people, and you're trying to, what are you trying to do with your ideas? What do mm-hmm. you want to happen? Mm-hmm. And B, like, do you feel fulfilled? Mm-hmm. You know, truly? Mm-hmm. And then that's that's sort of my, that's I don't know, that's my big thing with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we kind of have to take a step back and realize, you know, we spend too much time talking, too much time in our feelings, mm-hmm. too much time putting meaning behind Onto our things. feelings and yeah. trying to break them down. We're meaning, we there's to. like this thing we're called meaning making machines. Wow. And that for me was one of those, I, I don't call it as a tool, but I heard it one time. I'm like, it is so true because we take something so simple and extravagant, like, you know, completely blow it up into such a big picture. Yeah. But it's also really helpful for when you have gone through something traumatic because you still will add meaning onto why did that person leave or why did that person do that? Did I do something wrong? Whatever, like whatever thought you have, you will always add a meaning onto it even more. But even though, yes, something was really bad, it's still simple in the sense comparing to the meaning that you added onto it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's exactly what I mean. Like that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. When you're left to stew on stuff and attach meaning at the end, you it's hard to regulate that. Oh, it is. In your nervous system, the problem is this now is that when you are consumed into something, like you've been, you know, exposed to something for such a long time and you've been thinking in about it in a certain way, you have been dealing with it with a certain way, you've been feeling with these things for a long time, your nervous system actually then gets used to it. And sometimes it will trigger on its own. Then the problem is that, yeah, you may not be adding meaning onto it anymore because you have the clarification, you think differently, you have a different perspective, you realize it's more of a basic type of thought versus mm-hmm. the meaning that you add onto it, but your nervous system doesn't know any better. Yeah. And the problem is that now, while you're trying to relearn things, while you're trying to, like I always say, unlearn to relearn to learn, your nervous system is going to take some time to come to catch up. To catch up. Yeah. And you're still going to feel anxious, though. You're still going to overthink. You're still going to feel those things until it's again like I always say step-by-step process you will eventually get to that side when after you heal you that wound or you let go of that past or you you know forgave that situation or created your own closure onto something your nervous system is then able to relax a little bit more and you rebalanced it so it's more of a neutral state so meaning making meaning is so easy to do because we all do it we assume what a person's thinking we assume this that situation is better than it is or that it's actually worse than it is whatever but it's so hard as a human to also not put meaning right because your own values your own your own fears or your own you know trauma wounds will tell otherwise and then to try to listen to your gut it's in, it's so hard when you have all these fears wrapped up around you. Yeah, it's, it becomes all-consuming. And look, at the end of the day, if you really want to break it down and figure out where this came from, we're pack animals, mm-hmm. right? First of all, we're animals, whether you like it or not. If, mm-hmm. if you're one of those people that looks at humans as something different from plants, animals, and like fucking fungi or whatever, you're sorely mistaken. You're mm-hmm. a part of the animal kingdom. You're yeah. a byproduct of evolution. Mm-hmm. You're an animal, right? Mm-hmm. Easy sleep, shit, fuck, fight. The five-finger rule, mm-hmm. right? For us, these ideas, and our, like you said, we're idea-making machines, that was an important thing to band together. Mm-hmm. We, we create, if you look at like the foundations of spiritualism and religion, or any organization, political organization, all that stuff, the ability to organize and work as a group might be the human species' biggest strength, mm-hmm. right? We're not the physically strongest, 
Uh, we're not the fastest. Uh, you know, we're just, we're really just the best at teamwork. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to get teams together when you have a collective idea to believe in and yeah. buy into. Right. That has devolved into the radicalization of these social movements that has even devolved into brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like you walk around, I'm, I drive a Mazda. I love Mazdas. I'll only ever drive a Mazda. I was thinking about this today. People will only have iPhones. I was thinking about this today. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Who cares? They're mm-hmm. all the same, these cars. All they're doing is taking you from A to B with a bag load of features that they all now have every year. Seat warmers. Yeah. <laughs> all these every, every, yeah. It seems every year. A lot of cars are now becoming eco-friendly. Yeah. A, a function yeah. that used to be a luxury is mm-hmm. now a standard in a car. Yeah. And it's like every, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing the same thing. So there really is no difference. The only reason you're sticking to Mazda is because it means something to you. And mm-hmm. what the fuck is that? It, it's, complete, it's not real. It doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. When I'm dead and gone, Nobody is going to be talking about how I only drove Mazdas. Well, we will. We'll yeah, talk about our funeral. Maybe it's like a, something to laugh about. Like, oh, he only, only drove, drove Mazdas. Mazdas. And once that's over, once that generation is gone, it's gone. no one's going to give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Not one person. I do not know mm-hmm. what car my grandpa drove. I do not care. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's what I mean about this like willingness to just... Give yourself up to your feelings and give yourself up to these ideas. You have. It's that's all they are. Mm-hmm. They're just ideas. They're not real. Mm-hmm. The real world is out there, and I don't know. I look out this window at that city, and I am horrified every time I look out at that. And I'm like, why did we do this? So next time when we're recording an episode, I will sit there so you don't have to look. No, at I it. like doing it because it's thought provoking. Okay, right? but yeah. that's for me. It's distracting. That's why I'm like, I'm sitting here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but like, it's it's thought provoking and it's good to, mm-hmm. to because it would make it's one of those things where I, I regulate myself and I like hold myself accountable. Like, which what? is something I am working on even more self regulating. Mm-hmm. Did he put it up? Or mm-hmm. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, he, on. he knows. He knows. He knows how to get the best out of us. Alex Alex opened up the windows more widely so you could see so the full see, cityscape. Yep, it's beautiful. He knows how much it boils my blood. I talk about it all the time. I hate that. I know, it's very, like... That infrastructure is built for cars Let's not and talk about that then. Okay, let's go back people. into... Okay, <laughs> like self-regulating. Um, so did you learn all these things when you were in therapy? Like, is that what your therapist taught you? That opened the door to it. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like, I've, I've spoken about this a number of times on this show. Or I had my 10 sessions and that was it. I was done and I was mm-hmm. happy to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I needed the 10 sessions that I had and she gave me the tools that I needed mm-hmm. and the rest of it was up to me. Yeah. So now I had those tools and I had this enough self-reflection to start really delving in. Mm-hmm. And that's when I did. I pick yourself apart. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you should strike at is the ego. Mm-hmm. And you'll figure out really quickly, is this ego or is this really me? Is this my belief on this? Do, how do I feel about that? And then you, you realize very quickly, you're like, no, that's just ego. Like I'm walking around shredding my stuff and then about this because I think highly of myself on that. Yeah. When it could very well not be the truth at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you're just missing out on stuff because that's stuff that's true to you because, you know, you're too busy wrapped up in your own ego. Yeah. So you've got to really deflate the ego, mm-hmm. pop it if you can, mm-hmm. and just start from scratch. That's kind of like the psychedelic conversation. Like I, I want to try the psychedelic thing. For exactly that. A lot of people talk about ego death when yeah. they have a psychedelic trip. Yeah. I want I want that. I really do want to, because don't get me wrong. I like the confidence that comes with ego. Mm-hmm. And pe- it makes, you know, people kind of like 
light up when you, you walk can in use it like, as a tool to better yourself but not in a selfish and one of those negative it's, way it's one of those things where it's like it's a double-edged sword it, yeah great at the beginning it will always devolve mm-hmm. an ego can can be great in you know launching your life forward yeah but even even when you do that it, it is inevitably going to devolve and rot into this gross selfish self-obsessed self-righteous mm-hmm. terrible thing mm-hmm. and I, I i say i've said it again on this show before at the end of the day i don't know anything I, i'm not an expert on anything and i i'm just at the end, talking out of my ass i'm just sharing ideas that really don't matter at all mm-hmm. but you know there are other people out there maybe you have a similar idea and whatever and maybe this kind of resonates with you and if that's what it is, then fine. So be it. I've just connected with a bunch of different people who have similar thoughts, similar ideas to me. That's mm-hmm. all that this is ever going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that's important to have that. I mean, that's social interaction mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But that's all it is. It's just, like I said, I keep going back. It's just a bag of ideas. Mm-hmm. And they're not real. And they do well, have Well, ideas, they are. They're thoughts. They're real. It's just how you use them, right? They, they are, are real. They are. They are and they aren't. I mean... It's how you use them. Because how real is an idea then if you and me, we, we come up with a game plan? Even the podcast, there's three minds involved in making this podcast happen. Mm-hmm. In every episode we do, there are three different minds, three different sets of ideas, and we kind of come together and what we actually do, what we turn into reality, mm-hmm. is the stuff we agree to, mm-hmm. to do. So all of those ideas before, all those extras where you might have thought it would have gone this way and Alex might have thought it would have gone that way and I thought it would have gone the other way Mm. you know none of that ever comes to fruition so how real is an idea it is still because you have that thought the thought is real i'm going to its beginning seed right not because even though it doesn't show up Mm -hmm. it's still there like it it was that's real that's a real thought right there just because it didn't come into action and it didn't come as living proof doesn't mean it's not real because then you could also take that thought and eventually it will come out as well again yeah but like it's all about cooperation, right? That's what our entire species does. Everything mm-hmm. is about cooperation. So how many of your own personal ideas can come to fruition? It's some, well, some haven't because I just simply haven't done the actions to do it. But that doesn't mean that they won't happen. Yeah, that's fair. But what my point is, I'm building to get to, it's okay mm-hmm. that your ideas don't come to fruition, that mm-hmm. all your ideas don't come to fruition, mm-hmm. that even most of your ideas don't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. I think that's something that we need to start doing again. That'll take a lot of the pressure off of a lot of people. Anxiety is a big thing that so many people, I know you do too, Mm -hmm. deal with on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Well, thankfully, it's not anymore a day-to-day basis, but my God, when it does. If it's a condition you have, it definitely will affect you on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I don't even, to be honest, I don't even, I don't even call it as a condition anymore because I find that if I'm going to use such a word to identify what it is, no. Let me rephrase that. If I give it a word, then it's going to become that. A condition. Yeah. What do you do with a condition? Oh, maybe this condition will never go away. Oh, that's, it will just be always around. No, it's more of like, it's something that I'm, it's a feeling that I'm feeling right now. It's something that I've been dealing with multiple times. Yeah. But I know it won't be there when I think about this or when I do this. That's what I mean by it's just an idea. That's what I mean by it's not real. That's what I'm trying anxiety? to say. Anxiety? Not anxiety. Ideas. Mm-hmm. Right? And think about how they evoke such emotions from us and stuff like that. Yeah. And then as soon as you shift gears, that could completely change. You could be having the worst day of your life. And then you put on a song that you really like and you bop to, mm-hmm. your mood changes entirely. And now mm-hmm. you're not even thinking about the bad stuff. Because ideas, that's what I mean by they're not real. Mm-hmm. But they're not tangible. 
Maybe they're just, maybe that's the word. Maybe they're okay. just not tangible. Well, yeah, that's it. But we're so obsessed with focusing on these ideas mm-hmm. and, and making them tangible yeah. that we lose sight of what's in front of us. And then, mm-hmm. and then what, you know, you end up changing things mm-hmm. for the worse, in my opinion, mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. because of that. Like we're obsessed with making ideas become reality, which don't get me wrong. It's an, it's an important part of like evolving and moving forward. You mm-hmm. have to. Like, yeah. especially the species we have to. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is, I think there is a line. Mm-hmm. And, like, we talk about, like, we've talked about technology on here. And, like, we're now going into the realm of AI and all mm-hmm. this shit. And, like, you know, we've said technology is too much. People handing iPads to their kids and stuff. It is too much. But mm-hmm. we're so accustomed to, like, look at Apple. Every fucking year they're making a new iPhone. Every year there's this pressure on their staff to come up with new ideas and new features and new this and new that to make the phone this phone better than the last one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been what? Like iPhone, the next phone is like the iPhone 17,000. Like, I don't know what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what difference it is. And now the differences are so minute. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's sort of what I mean by our obsession mm-hmm. with in our own minds and in our own head. And in doing so, we're progressively disconnecting further and further and further from the world till you get to a point where you can look out the window and see a, a monstrosity, you know, that is the concrete jungle, concrete jungle. That is, it's unnatural. Mm-hmm. It's how did we get here? Mm-hmm. How did we, how did this manage to happen? How do we okay with this? Everybody wakes up every day. I wake up every day and I get in a truck and I go to do my job and I'm looking out the window on the highway mm-hmm. at all these other people putting along, mm-hmm. going to their work to live in this system that is not fucking working for anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. At what point do we start using those ideas and turning that into real stuff and regrounding and everybody should have a garden and everybody should have land and everybody should send their kids out to play in the dirt. and fucking Well, I think once people start to realize that it will come to them in the time that it's meant to come. But I, I believe in divine timing. De- I sometimes... Deforestation would disagree with you. <laughs> I understand that, but <laughs> when it comes to people, when they change their route, it will come to them when it's meant to come. Simple. Like, it's simple as that. You know, for me, I would say that I feel fortunate with the fact that I realize at a young age, the nine to five for me is not it. I don't like, I hate office work. I hate, not office work. I hate the office, like sterile, you're in a cubicle, you're staring at a computer. And that's, that's your, that's where you spend majority of your time. Yeah. So I'm very, I feel very fortunate that I discovered this, but some people, they may have different reasons. Like they really have to due to paying bills and all this sort of stuff, whatever. But like to answer your question, like why do people not wake up? Simply they, it's just not the divine timing for them to wake up at, to notice that. And it is what it is. But since you know, you may not have to then buy a condo, like a part, you know this. Yeah. Well, that's, you literally know this. So you will not buy a condo. You will not buy a house. That's somewhere over there in that jungle yeah. right there. You're going to buy a house maybe in Aurora or maybe somewhere else in the rural areas where you're not going to be seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're going to create your life by being able to garden. You're going to be able to go outside and be with nature. It's mm. all up to you at the end of the day. But when it comes right. to people, yeah. like when they don't wake up, it's just not the time for them to wake up. But see, but this is, and so we're now at a teeter-totter where I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but but our actions are having consequences yeah so that's with karma all of but these people living in the fucking cities that you know like you said their divine timing is not now well okay we're past the point in terms of climate change to 
to stop it from changing. Mm-hmm. We've, we've, we've fucked up the world way too much to do that. Mm-hmm. Microplastics are now in us. They're literally in us, a mm-hmm. part of us. Like, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And so now you're, it's damaging all of us. Mm-hmm. There are people who live in the fucking Amazon that live a tribal lifestyle that probably have microplastics in their body because mm-hmm. it's in the water mm-hmm. and it's in, it's in our rain. It's, it's in our soil. It's everywhere. You can't escape the shit that we've done. So the whole divine timing thing, it doesn't, we're, we're getting to a point where that won't matter. We're, we're going to, you know, we've tipped the, we've tipped over the edge. We're, we're free falling. Mm-hmm. So divine timing is now, Hey, wake the fuck up. We have got to, you know, we have got to reconnect with this planet. We need to live with it. We need to be, we need to reintegrate back into the ecosystem mm-hmm. because this is, it's not sustainable. It's not. I agree with you. It's not. And, and everything is screaming at it. Mental health has been the worst it's ever been and will continue to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, medical profession calls it an epidemic, a pandemic, if you will, a mental mm-hmm. health crisis globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have the environmental crisis we're dealing with. We're watching ultra billionaires buy up all of the farms in the world and turn it into conglomerates. Me and Alex talk about that all the time. You have all these systems collectively by default feeding into this toxic ass, wasteful, harmful system that's killing all of us and it's killing all of our food. It's killing all of nature. This planet is going to fucking either purge us itself once mm-hmm. it's good and ready, divine timing, mm-hmm. or we have got to fucking shift gears here. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean does that make sense it does but I think that will only happen once people actually truly feel the impact and fall and hit their knees and that's their divine timing yeah, I feel like as a society for us to completely fall and hit our knees that is that means we're we're past the point of fixing it I always believe there was this one really neat documentary by David Attenborough yeah nature will always come back I'm not saying this is right I don't think it's right I don't think that this type of lifestyle is right in any sort of way yeah. Yeah. And I do agree with you. I believe it also impacts mental health a lot. It's the reasoning to why it is because if you're in this type of environment and you're not close to nature, you're not close to people, you're not close to like, I was going to say of, sun, but yeah. like, yeah, obviously you feel the sun when you're there too, but like nothing about your life is normal. your essence, like you're, yeah. you're the energy field of it. It's not there because it's gone over there basically yeah. in a way that you could kind of feel it, but not, um, Again, I don't know where I was going with that. I think I said this the third time already on the show. <laughs> God. We're, getting, we're getting deep here. We're getting deep on yeah. that society. Which I is know. A good thing. It is a good thing. You know, but I, it's it's an environment that, like, I know you want to keep talking about, like, parents and stuff. Like, yes, I do. I really do. It is but. An, this is a, the, the, an environment, and these are all issues that affect that because they, they wear mm-hmm. us down. And then when we're worn down, we go into things like, you know, we still get married. We still have families and all that stuff. And, and this stuff is like, it just, it's just generation after generation. It's just, you know, you and I and Alex, we were all, and everybody else was born into the system without ever wanting to. We never picked it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, like, why do I have to buy the freedom? You know, if I want to live amongst nature, I have to go and buy property and pay my property taxes and, and whatever and live on my own little self-sustaining farm. I have to go and I have to have the, the funds to buy out of the system to free myself from this, this incredibly destructive way of life. Mm-hmm. I have to participate in it until I can free myself from it. Yeah. That is absurd. That's prison. Mm-hmm. We're in prison of our own making mm-hmm. on a planet that will, as you said, and as David Attenborough has said, 
will live on well after we're dead and gone. Mm. So how do you make today count? You have to live uh, in a way that is... You just have to make more conscious choices of stepping out. And and beneficial to the people around you and mm -hmm. to the planet that you were all fucking on. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I don't know how we're going to... There was this one, the reason to what, like I've mentioned about condos here. There was somebody, I think it was my spirit guide. I call her my earth angel. It was back in September, um, end of September. I went over to her house and... She lives in Aurora and she lives in a bigger home and such, but um, massive, beautiful backyard. Mm. And I was dealing with something at the moment. I was just feeling with a lot of like anxiety and such. And I went to her and we start kind of like unpacking things. And then I went out to her backyard and she, it's so cool. She has planted certain types of trees. They're all different trees around her house. She's named them or she's said, why this one? It, her backyard is beautiful it's a place where you could go meditate it's a place where you could go if you need to release it's a place where you need to get energy out whatever it is um and she set a point she's like i will never live in a condo because when you live up so high up and you're far away from earth you're gonna feel that every single day Hmm. and that stayed with me like i don't i'm not gonna talk trash about like this condo is beautiful but like i'm just saying alex it is great it's great just yours is good the rest of them it's great (laughs) but for me if i if i had to choose between like i think all of us would agree we would all live rather live in a home but again like if i had to choose between renting Mm. or buying sorry renting a house like renting even a base not a basement like a normal house or buying a condo I would still pick renting because well, it's close to earth. And then there are people out there who are like, oh, the, the, your money's not working for you. You know, who gives a shit? But it's an investment for it's your own health going, in a way as not, if you were... Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's about living in the present. Yeah. Your, your wealth, whatever wealth you're fucking so focused on generating is not going anywhere with you once you're dead. Mm-hmm. When you die, the buck stops there. Mm-hmm. People have fucking wars with their families over estates and mm-hmm. shit. Like, it's not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And I think, you know, some people might even say, oh, it's easy to say. You obviously don't have money. Da, 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 da. Okay, maybe. Yeah. I, if I did have money, I might be different, which would suck. I think it would suck if I was super rich and then willfully just, you know, ignorant to all this. You know, electively. you could be rich and be a good person and use your money right. Yeah, you could. Money doesn't make people, like, money's not evil. It's what a person does with money. Yeah. And so you, it, it knowing you, you Matt, but I mean, if you were rich, yeah. you wouldn't be doing stupid shit with it. You would be consciously thinking, how can I make it better? Like, how can I live more in this way that I envision myself living? How can I give back? Like, mm. you, would be, you would be treating money differently. And I cannot stand when people say money is evil. No, it's what a person does with money. Just like what a person does with a banana. You're either going to eat it, you're going to put it into a smoothie, you're going to bake with it, or you're going to let it rot. But Same as money too. Money has meaning attached to it. We attach. Same as First a banana. All, money, money itself is. Think about what money is. Mm-hmm. Money itself is an is an entire. It's an idea that we all agree to participate in. It's a mm-hmm. system we all agree. We're like, yeah, you know what? We'll all agree that the dollar is worth a dollar, and this is what it can buy. And yeah. if you have enough of these dollars, you can buy just about anything you want. Mm-hmm. That's how we live. Mm-hmm. So 
money is, I think, money is evil. It's a shitty idea that we came up with that no other animal has participated. No other animal utilizes currency as a means of literally providing everything, right? Penguins, maybe they exchange stones to find somebody to have sex with. Did you know that otters give each other pebbles when they're swimming and floating together? How, and they hold a and pebble and they give it to another And that's a otter. present. I know. And does it affect their food? Is, I don't know. No. They don't use don't pebbles know. to buy food. They just go catch their food. I'm just saying it's a nice thought. It is a nice thought. But my point is, name one thing that you can do as a human being that mm-hmm. doesn't cost you any money. Natalie, I can you go can't walking. Even, you can't even take a shit because you have to walk. flush the toilet and, and then you have to pay for the water. That but I can go walk. Shoes. You can go walk wearing shoes you have to go and buy. Maybe I want to go barefoot. I've done that before. You gone for a walk barefoot? I know a little bit. You're mm-hmm. brave. You're brave. Yeah. It's hard to walk barefoot Because they said like it's for grounding purposes too. And I was like, but all the glass that's like, you know. All those dangers from this so unnatural I'm a little labor. nervous, but yeah, yeah no. You yeah. know, God forbid you step on a needle. Holy oh. shit. You know? I know, I know. And so you, you, that's, that's what I mean. You, everything, yeah, mm-hmm. everything. You have to, you have to. Money is a, is a dumb. It's a dumb thing. It is. I, I personally believe it is. It is evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I get what you mean. And the reason to why I say that though, is because seeing what my parents went through with money, mm-hmm. it's not that the money did that to them. It's what they did with the money. But it brings my up dad, the worst in us. It can if you have that. You, it can if you let it. It can if you are feeding that. You know, there's like that good wolf and bad wolf. I ever heard of yeah, that yeah, term? Yeah. You, if you're feeding more of the bad wolf, mm. it doesn't even. It's not even about money. It could be literally anything. It's gonna enhance it. So, like for example, why I like why I really do believe that money isn't evil is because it's not the thing that makes it evil. It's what the person chooses to do with it. But it has such a tendency. To bring out the worst in so many of us that at what point do you then decide to, okay, go? Well, is it really or is it just lack of self-control of that person? And really, it's their control of how they use their money. Yeah, but then at that point... It's not that it... You're looking at something to... I, 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 think, I think we're trying to get to the same place. You're looking at money as the qualifier of quantifying what mm-hmm. brings out the worst in people. At the end of the day, we're talking about people's poor behavior and the bad things that we do. Mm-hmm. Money seems to be attached to that. Yeah, it's attached to a lot of the good things we do and a lot of the, you know, but think about like, look at science and like all the great things we have, medicine and all this stuff. And like, look at how it's limited in its progression mm-hmm. simply because of money. Like we, we could have come up with all these cures. Look at look, cancer. People talk about there's probably a cure for cancer. But there but is cancer, a cure for cancer. Cancer research generates so much money that it's not, it's not economically sound to release the cure to cancer. Mm-hmm. Sounds like money's shitty now. No. I still view it the same way as I do. I think it's just the meaning that people add on to money. Absolutely. Money-making I, machines. I agree with you. I think it's a good note to end on, though. That's cool. I don't think we've ever ended on like a let's agree to disagree. <laughs> I know. Finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I think we had a great show. I think we talked about a lot. We did talk about a lot of things. I know. That's just how it goes with us. That's okay. I think it's good. I like right. talking about a lot of stuff. All right. <laughs> I'm just not happy. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Fun fact though, episodes come out every Monday. So keep it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Till next time. Take care. <laughs> Are we clear?